Okay, hello again, everybody. We're back. What's up, everybody? Yeah, it's um. So we're recording this before Christmas. Um. So hope everyone has a fun Christmas uh, experience this Merry year. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, all of the above. It's been a wild ride, and I honestly, I know it's only like eight or nine days before 2020 is over, but it just feels like I've got at least another month. Right before yeah. it's over. <laughs> the other thing is I you know, it's it's that the year will be over, but I think this experience will only be over in the next uh I mean, because look, we've only been I mean, it was in January, the two of us, me and Lucian, we were shooting a movie in, in that California. Is crazy to me. We were shooting that a movie crazy to me. And we were on yeah. a set and then mm-hmm. we looked down at our phone like, Oh, Kobe died. It's like yeah. what? Yeah. No, 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 no. I can, I can tell that story. It was not, it was not necessarily that it was, you were, we were shooting a scene and, uh, we, I, I, the set, the um, art department girl was like, Hey, Kobe Bryant died. And I was like, that's fucking crazy. Let's not talk about this right now. Cause we're shooting the scene. Cause I knew you would have a reaction and then the scene ends or whatever. And then you go to the living room to like set up the next thing. And then I just heard like, what, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, just from the other room and i was like i guess he found out about it well i think the pa told me so yeah we yeah. were in the bathroom shooting a scene and we shoot the scene and then yeah i left so it was spreading though like the entire time you guys yeah. were doing takes like people kept coming up and they're like did you hear the news like have you heard about this oh yeah yeah, yeah i'm kind of glad i wasn't privy to that no but yeah once the we were done with that scene yeah i just it, it just exploded. Yeah. yeah i wanted to make sure that you know that didn't get to you because i just wanted to get that you know we were like which we, were, to- we were in the zone, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah. And that was that was relatively close to where we were, right? Yeah. Um, I think so. It was um, I was in the north, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. I mean, it's just like how quickly the the shit just went south, and that was like that was like before any of us knew COVID was a thing. Yeah. And, well, and then and even then, it was somebody else on the production was like, yeah, uh, we we're celebrating because it's Chinese New Year. It's like some people in China can't do Chinese New Year because there's this virus. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. It's a virus, huh? And then uh, you know, yeah. And then before you know it, a month later, it was just like, yeah, buckle up, Buttercup. Uh, totally, totally shut down. Um, but I cannot believe that was like this. That year. was that was this year. It feels like that was. Basically, ten years ago when yeah. we were kids. Exactly. 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 Yeah. Yeah. The other day, Lucian and I were watching this. Uh, this. This sort of in between takes of us talking to. Basically, we're we're <clears throat> doing some uh, some casting sessions, and we're just talking, and we're like sharing food. It's like four of us in a room in a casting room doing a casting session. We're sharing food. Like one of the people who was helping us was like drinking someone else's drink. Yeah, and we're like laughing about ah, like oh, people are crazy. Uh, yeah, we're just like ah, don't worry, I have cooties, but it's fine. Ha ha yeah. ha 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 ha. <laughs> yeah, can't. We'll probably never do that in the next three years or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think the. I think you're right. Like, I mean, the, and that's not what this episode is about. We're not just going to talk about 2020 and like the pandemic. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think the whatever happens with the virus itself. I think the people's. The, the the general uneasiness of people that's not going to go away for a while the the wearing masks and the kind of being uncomfortable shaking hands or hugging and stuff like that like i don't think that general kind of anxiousness is going to go away anytime soon mm-hmm. so it's been a crazy year and so then we started this podcast and then we're doing all this other stuff and so mm-hmm. yeah we're we're almost through this list it's kind of crazy yeah man uh it's really epic um 
Yeah, so we are into we're going into the twenties now. I can't believe that. We're going into the twenties and every week it feels like like the movies that I'm talking about, like again, we're at that point where like every single one of these is my baby and I don't want to like I can't I'm like, no, this has to be higher, but it can't be higher because there's these other movies that are already, you know, exist and I've already placed them higher. And it's just like this crazy exercise of like you don't realize how many how many movies that you love until you do something like this. Yeah, totally. It's crazy. Um, yeah, so I guess for this week, uh, you get to start off, kick it, Bro, things off for us. You don't want me to start. <laughs> to I will. Start the fires and kick the tires. I will, but it's 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 not a fun. You know what? We've already set the tone for the episode, so I'm perfectly happy to start. I, th- I think I get. It sounds like we're both going to start with depressing. It's so. oh, Maybe it's that's... beyond depressing. It's pretty bad. Yeah. So let's do it. Let's get into it. Uh, as always, disclaimer: top 100 lists according to us. It's our favorite movies. It's not even our opinion of what are the top 100 movies ever made. It's just what are the ones that we feel really strongly about right now, and how would we place them? in our own kind of hierarchy. At least that's how I, I, I would say it. So it's not Bible. It's not, don't come at me and say like, that's not Joel Schumacher movies should not be in anyone's top 20. Like it's not what it's about. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, <laughs> it's all subjective and we're just having fun. And uh, honestly, some of the discussions we've been having have been really fun and illuminating and, and we talk about a lot of other stuff. So we'll have timestamps for that stuff as well. Um, but okay. Yeah. So you want me to start, huh? Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, uh, my, my number 30 is a Gaspar Noe film, Irreversible. Oh boy! Uh, and yeah. you're you you know you know what it's about. You know what I'm about. You know why probably this movie is so high up my list because I think out of my entire list, this is for sure the most like depraved, fucked up movie. I think out of all of them, uh, this is as extreme as I was willing to get with this list. But it's not like. Um, because I like extreme cinema and that's fine. But this movie transcends that kind of because like you have to be in a certain mode in a certain mood in a to, to watch these kinds of movies. Right. It's not like I would put this right next to, you know, like uh, The Godfather or something. Mm-hmm. But I will <laughs> because yeah. um, because I really love this movie. I love the craft of this movie. I love the insanity of it. I love the story behind it of him like doing cocaine and that like BDSM gay sex club and then like not being able to use his hands. Like there is so much shit going on with this movie. Like this guy was so, the, the director, he was so crazy uh, and he was so exhausted that he started doing bumps of cocaine to keep going. And then eventually like his nervous system shut down on him. And there's all these crazy stories about this movie being made. Um, but basically, okay, so what is Irreversible about? It's very interesting, um, structure-wise. It, it, on paper, it's it's a very simple premise. Again, it's these two p- Paris uh, Parisian lovers, basically. They're just uh, boyfriend and girlfriend, and uh, they go out to a party one night, and bad things happen, and that's pretty much it. But the way that what makes this movie interesting is the way that it's told, and I think like. Christopher Nolan would probably be a huge fan of this movie. It just in the way that it tells its story because it opens up with, so not even to talk about the kind of atmosphere that this movie creates with the, there's like a, there's a very deliberate, like low drone sound effect that goes on for about 30 minutes on the movie's track. The movie soundtrack it like never stops. And it's one continuous flow because the movie plays backwards and it doesn't play backwards in the way that like Tenet plays its scenes literally backwards. It's kind of like a memento thing where the events of the film unfold backwards. So it starts, basically we open up on these two guys, this like 50 year old overweight, 
obese man completely naked sitting on a bed with his dick out and another guy in the corner and they're just talking about like oh that was some crazy shit wasn't it and you're just like <laughs> what am i looking at why is it lit like this why is it so dirty why is the sound <laughs> just droning like what the fuck and then we go into this crazy crazy like the the camera's like turning around and it's dark and there's all this like house music and it's just a bunch of again you're like in a bdsm gay sex club and you're like what is happening and then slowly character main characters begin to be introduced but they're introduced by literally smashing someone's face in with a fire extinguisher like well, i mean and like you really get to see the compression of the dude's skull right and so and this is just and th th this shit just keeps unfolding this way and so eventually you realize that you you are watching events unfolding backwards based on on how people are talking about it and so the movie the first kind of act of the movie is the main character played by Vincent Cassel uh because this is a french movie uh who is an incredible actor uh yeah. basically he's just savaging these human beings i mean he is like the level of violence and just uh visceral hatred that you feel that he has for these people that he's beating is like unparalleled you're just like holy like there there there, you, there can't be anything like the, the the level of pure evil that has to bring something like this about this can't be part of this world right and so the things keep unfolding and then you find out that before that uh, you see his girl, his girlfriend, beaten and bruised and barely coherent and conscious on a stretcher going into an ambulance. They're like, okay, so somebody did something to his girl. Okay, I guess I can see that justification. And then the movie keeps playing and it unfolds more. And then at around the, the midpoint of this movie, there is like a 15, 10 to, I think 10 minute, 10 to 15 minute uninterrupted single take of a beating and a rape happening to his girlfriend in an underpass and it is it, it, it it's not led up to in any way it's 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 just her walking it's home just like boom it is just boom and this guy just assaults her and again it's an uninterrupted take and it goes on and it goes on way past the point of of comfort or like it you know like movies sometimes cut away from this stuff because you get the point this movie belabors the point like a lot uh and then you're just like holy shit like it, I didn't think there was a way for me to be able to relate or justify the violence that I just saw. But having seen being forced to watch this, I kind of get why a man would do this. Right. And then the movie keeps unfolding backwards. And then you see her kind of before all of that, because up until this point, you've just seen her beaten and raped pretty much. And then you see her in her, in her natural state and she's this wonderful person. And then even before that, you know, the final act of this movie is just the two of them in bed kind of pillow talking and just talking about their future and, you know, what it's going to be like to have kids or whatever. And just like really kind of planning out their life, which you've already seen how it ends. Both of them are in the ground. It's not good. Um, so you already know that. And then the mood that the, 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 the genius stroke of this movie is that it keeps unfolding. And it, it basically the the first event that happens chronologically is that she finds out that she's pregnant mm -hmm. so that's that's wow. the ending of the film but the story is that so so it keeps adding yeah. it just keeps adding things like that to just make you realize how fucking horrific the stuff that you've already seen is and it's enhanced by every single scene and so that's why i love this movie so much is not just because of the extreme elements of it because it is an extreme movie i mean this movie is like Oh way, yeah, this is way way yeah. beyond like unrated uh, director's yeah. cut or whatever. Like he G G Gaspar Noé, I mean he's well if you know anything about him like he's known for just going there. But uh, I just love the 
the structure of the film and the the way that it's just really interesting <laughs> that it's able to by playing you the event in in reverse order it's somehow able to still raise the stakes like a normal film would because every single time you're just like this is fucked up this is fucked up it can't get any worse than this and then there's a 10 minute rape scene and you're like this is fucked up it can't get any worse than this and then you find out you know that she's pregnant and so she was and she was pregnant the whole time and then she was going to have his baby and then everything is justified you know in retrospect yeah. um i just i love that structure of it i love the way it's shot it's it's very I mean, there's a lot to talk about this movie, but basically, uh, it's it's a very interesting film, and I think it's uh, it's worth talking about uh, more than just like, yeah, it's one of those extreme cinema films. Like, yeah, you want to get into, you want to watch this, you want to watch a Serbian film, and you want to watch, you know, a Cannibal Holocaust. It's like it's, I, I, I think it's it's a lot more artful than that. Um, and again, the performances. I mean, Vincent Cass- Vincent Cassel and Monica Bellucci. They are uh, they were a real life couple, so that enhances their performance i mean the, the the stuff in the room with them in the third act is very verite it's like you're basically just like you kind of get you get the sense that they are an actual couple and they're just in love with each other so yeah it's just a it's just a great fucking movie yeah this guy the, the director he's he's done some interesting stuff i haven't seen this film yet i saw the one about like the people who who are the dancers that get drugged I saw that movie oh that movie was interesting yeah it's like a one take kind of the climax some craziness yeah mm-hmm. not his best movie yeah yeah um but he gets a lot of gets a lot of play a lot of people talk about him talk about this film well, this about a whole is, bunch of his films yeah. this film is a masterpiece like it, it really is like there's a reason that people keep talking about him is because i mean he and he keeps he kept raising the the he kept trying to push the envelope which is kind of annoying right uh he made a movie a couple years ago that uh debuted at con that like pissed off everybody because he was like really gung-ho about unsimulated sex and it just turns out to be like half of it is just a porno um and i like that movie fine but like he just keeps trying to do these things i think irreversible is like where that him pushing the envelope and showing you these things meets kind of a thematic point mm-hmm. uh and so that's why i uh, for sure this is his best movie and I, I i think everybody should i mean if you're up for it and you have the stomach for it and you don't have any kind of you know you're not sensitive to any of this stuff then um it's definitely like one of the one of the better movies. Yeah, because like that that scene gets talked about, like the scene where, where she she gets assaulted, yeah. like that. People know about that without ever knowing anything without about knowing anything about this movie. Yeah, correct. And you would think, like, I think I I feel like the perception of the film is sort of you know Spot, like right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, or like the thing that came to my mind was like Salo, uh, like that mm-hmm. film. Salo is another one, yeah. Uh, even though, yeah, again, that one did have a message too, like a thematic purpose for all this torture and craziness and horror. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So I, that's yeah, that's that's definitely like this kind of stuff is something that I haven't really dived into as much. Right. I haven't seen like the Salos or like or like the Reversibles or. Mm-hmm. I've seen kind of all because I didn't really like that. Um, yeah, I don't really like it either. I think again, there's a delineation. Yeah. I think there's the, the the ones that are just extreme for the sake of being extreme. Like there's another movie I'm forgetting the title of something about Christ where it's just it's it's fucked up. I don't remember. It's like a early '90s kind of a really. It's another one of these basically. So there are those movies that are just like in it to just shock you and just not even to shock you, but to just like kind of disrespect the the piss on the medium almost mm-hmm. uh but then there's the, the the ones that are really well constructed as a film like this is something that uh is is just as uh well thought out in my opinion as like a kubrick uh like, is like yeah. a clockwork orange type of thing we're like yes we're trying to shock you but we also have a point there's a purpose yeah 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 it's like it's like uh there's a thematic kind of uh through line and it's gonna have a payoff 
Yeah. That's like not just like, oh, hey, look, here's let me see how, you know, it's almost like, you know, for some of these films, like, oh, what's the Guinness Book of World Records for most people killed, most exactly. horrifying scenes, most yeah, like most people legs watch out of the theaters, most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, cool. You you got us. But like, what's the reason? Mm-hmm, what's the purpose? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know you got to have a purpose yeah, yeah 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 this movie definitely has a purpose and it's um yeah because there's that and sometimes you just want the you know the subcategory of you just want the black metal basically you don't even care what they're saying you just want to hear the and you're fine with it but uh this i think this is a really uh, interesting balance of the two and i just i love this movie it's so like it's so steeped in that like early 2000s like grime that like a lot of movies had like i'm thinking of like narc for example or like other movies like that where like it is very uniquely grimy and dirty and uh, i love the aesthetics of this film uh almost as much as i love the way that it's told like it is it is a very interesting shot film and everything so it's it's obviously it's constructed well so yeah yeah cool all right irreversible that's a way to start man I, hey you asked I <laughs> that's a way to start okay so my <laughs> film um so this is an interesting film so i saw this like back in the day I was a DVC or whatever. This was like 2000, probably, yeah, like 2006 or seven or eight. Um, what's interesting about this film is that it's, it's, I just, I was just looking it up. It's the number two film of all time on the top 250 for Letterboxd. So this is a very highly rated film amongst like the, you know, the, uh, <laughs> wow. the, the, yeah, the, 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 like, I guess the cinephile online yeah, yeah, yeah. types. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this movie is uh, Come and See from 1985, directed by, Ilim Kilimov. So this this is a fucking crazy. Uh, this film is pretty much the distilled idea of the horrors that were experienced by Russians during World War II. So yes, yeah, I just movie. Yeah. I think it just had a Criterion release, and, and they were going to do a 4K uh, like kind of roadshow hmm. um, in theaters. I mean, obviously. COVID fucked that up. Yeah. Uh, but but this this movie is something else. Uh, this movie is really, really something else. And it's really, it's just about this guy. He lives in this village. He's a Russian guy. Uh, it's like Belarusia. And mm-hmm. the Germans come. The Germans come and they start doing what they do, killing people. Mm-hmm. So he flees into the forest and he meets this girl and he joins the resistance. And then yeah. they start getting massacred by Germans. And it is not, you know the what we come to think this this stuff is like i don't know if there's any movie that really sells the horror of war as well as this i feel like this is the one that really from almost like a horror movie perspective Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just showing you the terror showing you the horror showing you the destruction the death the fear um and even small so like there's this this scene where they they catch him right the germans and there's a scene where they're just like a couple german soldiers are just fucking around and they're like making him dance and like doing stuff and they have a gun to his head and yeah the acting is so good too the acting in this movie is incredible and they just sell every one of these moments as being truly like i could i could die i could die here in a horrible way and you know is, is the you know and there's like no justice in the universe it's like the germans came they killed everyone and oh well that's it you're just uh been wiped from history this this film too like it really has some of the most incredible cinematic moments I've seen in a film. Like there's one particular scene at the very end of the film. Uh, I won't give away too much, but uh, it's it's one of the most kind of poignant cinematic, but also kind of um, thematic things in terms of war. Like basically it's sort of like, you know, would you kill an innocent person mm. to end war? 
Mm-hmm. And they kind of play that out with with Hitler in a way that's very interesting, hmm. very very interesting uh, and cinematic. So yeah, the, the other thing too, I, I I was reading about the film and like the the title actually comes from I think it's like basically the Greek uh, translation on the Bible of when like the uh, the four horsemen of the apocalypse like wreak havoc. And oh, what they do yeah. is they say, "Come and see what we've done." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like saying, "See the 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 destruction that has been wrought. Mm-hmm. Look at it. Look at look upon our 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 destruction." It, it's yeah. And this film, it just it's so amazing. It's so incredible that someone made this thing. It got censored a lot when it came oh. out in Russia. They fucking nuked this thing into the ground, and then yeah. basically it's sort of been rediscovered as late, and it got a Criterion release now. Yeah. It's really, really popular, uh, at least in you know the cinephile circles. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I remember at the time seeing it, just being like totally blown away by this movie. Totally, just like you know, it, it's it's there's so much incredible cinema, but also like the feeling of dread and despair and sorrow and horror you get from this film. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I've definitely heard about this movie. Um, I think because of the the censorship aspect, because like you don't. Like you don't make Russian movies in the eighties. Like that just doesn't happen. Um, well, I feel like I would know about them. And it's like, yeah, they, they do get buried by the the, the party or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is one of those stories of like a film being rediscovered. So I have heard of it, but I love the idea that you're selling me on. And I, and I wish more films did this of like war films in particular, like you can have your saving private Ryan's that, you know, you have the triumphant kind of spirit of it, but I love the idea of, a war movie leveraging the horror aspect of it being, you know, of war being horrifying. Like, I love the idea of making a horror film that's not about spirits or monsters or whatever, that is just kind of placing you in that space. And it becomes a a horror movie kind of because of the setting, not like, you know, because it's constructed in a certain way. Like, I love that idea. Yeah. And I feel, I really feel like that was basically his take on it. Mm -hmm. It was like, the Germans are the 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 horror element. Yeah, yeah, and then they just there's some really like there's some really fucked up shit in this movie. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, there's some really fucked up. Um, I mean, it's not it's not irreversible level, but it, there's there's definitely like they sell they sell you know just how bad it is when what happened and this is some real shit, right? Yeah, you know when the Germans came into Eastern Europe, man, they fucked oh. people up. Yeah, yeah, and they and they just saw them as just scum. You know, they they they're the scum of the earth. They are below subhuman. Yeah. We're going to wipe them out. We're going to literally wipe them out, and German people are going to live there. So you are nothing. You are nothing yeah. to us. And they just started yeah. just killing everybody. And I feel like this is this is really kind of like the the film that articulates best what happened to those people. Yeah, that's really cool. I love that idea. Yeah, so that's that's uh, that's my number thirty. Come and see, uh, crazy, crazy. <laughs> We're both starting out really strong uh, this week. Yeah, uh, this is this is definitely the podcast you want to watch when you're feeling down. You know, this is the one. This is the the definitive list of movies that are gonna. You know, this is the Pixar collection that we're talking about here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Cool. Well, kind of keeping in line with that. Um, speaking of the Germans, uh, my number twenty nine is straight up one of the best movies ever made. Uh, Bernardo Bertolucci's The Conformist. Il Conformista. Mm. I, I love this movie to bits. I've seen this movie many, many, many times. And every time I watch it, it, it 
it gets better, honestly. Um, it is a little bit, not a little bit, it is a slow burn. It is, uh, it's very deliberate in its pace, but it does a lot of stuff. I mean, if you want to talk about like how much we jerk off about like uh, Kubrick and his framing and stuff, Bertolucci is every step of the way. He's mm. right there. He is doing exactly the same stuff. And uh, this film was shot by... Um, Oh, what's his name? Yeah, yeah. The guy he also shot Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Yeah. What's um, his, his name? Vittorio something. Vittorio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I Vittorio Storaro. Storaro. Yeah. I'm ashamed, I forgot his name. Um, the he's, he's one of the greatest ever. Like, ever, ever, no, ever, ever, ever. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. If you watch this film, I don't care what print of it you get, what like shitty DVD, it is unbelievable. The cinematography in this film and ostensibly it's like kind of a nothing happens kind of a film. I mean, that's, that's, that's very unfair. And let me give you a second before you jump on me, but like, it's not like a, it's not about set pieces or big war events. It's not like a 1917 where like, we're really going to show you our, like, it's not like bravado about it. Um, But this, the, 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 again, the way that the the sets are designed and the way everything is constructed is just, and the way that it's shot is just incredible. The cinematography in this film is unfuck withable. Uh and I mean that. So was it what is it about basically? It's about a just super super uh follow the follow the line conformist, right? Who is uh basically part of the um Italian uh he works for the whatever the the, the Mussolini has come in power and he's basically just working for the party and he he wants to be the very best at you know following the rules he wants to be the very best puppet that there could be right and uh he gets a little um he gets a little threatened by some other people that are like rising in the ranks. And so he gets this assignment where he needs to go assassinate his college professor because his college professor has been uh, going around telling people that uh, maybe, you know, the Mussolini way is not, not the way and we can't have that. So he's like, I want to be, I'll do whatever it takes to rise and to be the greatest servant to the party. So I'm going to go murder my college professor no problem and then along the way um so this movie so it, that's kind of the setup and then it just gets really psychosexual out of nowhere which i love so much um so this guy's got the perfect life he's got the perfect wife he's got this really really attractive uh, italian wife um super young he's you know probably a little older but he's you know relatively look good looking guy uh and then through this adventure basically they go on a road trip essentially to 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 track down this professor he's not he's a he's covert about it so he's not telling everybody like what he's doing but uh he he ends up falling for another woman and then there's all these complications uh but ultimately it's about this guy and kind of his convictions as to like why why he's just following this script of like like i i you know i want to do what what i'm told to do basically and by the end of the movie they do this really really amazing uh, kind of visual stuff to kind of portray that he is just descending into his own personal hell because he ends up in this prison um with his professor essentially by the end of the film and um what's kind of revealed later on or not even later on kind of right up front is that uh, he was sexually assaulted as a boy by another man and that's like he can't you know, I mean, being gay is like, you can't have that. Like, that is just like, if we're talking about, I am, I'm conforming to the party. That's like, that is, a, that's something that you take to your grave or it undoes you. But, but like, there's no kind of two ways about it. And so he, he starts to, these feelings come up 
you know, with his relationship with his wife and the other, the other women that he, he like these things come up. And so that, that's kind of when it turns into this like psychological thing. The entire movie is like a psychological thing and it's about systems of control and institutions and kind of how they, they box us in and people try to get boxed in doing that stuff. Um, I, I, I can't really do do it justice and describing it any more than that. It is just a gorgeous film, and uh, it is a very psychological, a very introspective, very interesting kind of a film. And it's got it's got a fun, it's got a little bit of a sense of humor to it. But um, if you want to see like this movie came out in 1970, but if you want to see like the most top of the line production design, like in terms of a, a 30s period piece. Like the cars, the outfits, the sets, the cinematography, it just feels like you're watching a 30s movie made with better technology, basically. And uh, it just looks incredible and is a great film. It's one of my favorite films of all time. Yeah, I, I really need to watch this film again. This is one I saw and I probably didn't appreciate it as much as I think I would mm. if I watched it again. Um, interesting thing about this. So the the ASC, the American Cinematographer Society, mm -hmm. they recently, it was like two years ago, they did a, they basically did a survey where they asked people, what's the most, what's the, basically the films with the best cinematography of all time. This was number seven. Mm -hmm. This was number seven of all yeah. time that made that list. So other cinematographers think this is one of the most it's beautifully photographed films ever. Yeah. I, I mean, like, again, the more you watch it, and you kind of really like, because the first time around, I feel like when I saw it, like you're kind of just about the plot and you're trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. But then the more you watch it, you start to pick up on these, the 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 way that they weave the psychological elements into the the proceedings. Um, and it's yeah. it's really, really interesting. And it's really beautiful the way it's shot. Yeah. Like you're saying, uh, Storaro, like he's just a fucking master. And this is like one of the, and you know, there's another film we're going to probably both talk about in the future mm -hmm. um, that he also did the uh, cinematography for. Yeah. He is a fucking master. Yeah. No, he, he was the guy. Yeah. He was absolutely like, <laughs> one of, if not the guy uh, during this period. So yeah, I can't say enough good things about this movie. I think it's, it's worth, uh, it's worth exploring. It's a really interesting one because you know, like you've got all the, like it's easy to get bogged down in the kind of mechanics of like the, the politics of it, of like, how does this work? And his superior and this and that and the party. But then like you realize Marcello is just kind of a piece of shit. And you're like, why is he a piece of shit? And uh, it's just like, it, it just keeps unraveling the, the more you, you dig into it. It's like the, the more work you do, the movie pays you back for it, uh, which is great. So I love this movie. Yeah, yeah, this is a cool one. I, I definitely, uh, what's the best version of this? Is there a criterion or is there anything Dude, else? I wish there was. There isn't. Uh, I don't even know if there is a American side, like, Blu-ray release of it anywhere. Um, I think, I I don't think there's a criterion because that's the, that's the thing that kind of annoys me about it. Uh, I think it got locked up in some stupid kind of rights thing. Yeah, that's the stuff. That stuff is kind of, like, tragic because... yeah. This stuff needs to be. There needs to be a 4K. There needs to be a 4K. Of this I I just rewatched it like a week or two ago because I was going. I was putting together this list and I, I wanted to just look at it again. And I instantly I was just like, this could really. Yeah. Like, it already pops off the screen because like you get what they're doing, but like I would love to see those those details. Um, yeah. <laughs> is there is a blu-ray of it but it's like some third-party label uh raro video us but there is a blu-ray of it available in the states but uh i don't know that it's that good i don't think it's that good i don't think there is a definitive way to see this yet but just you that kind of sucks get a get a hd copy of it yeah that kind of sucks that sucks a lot yeah uh that's that's kind of that's kind of tragic 
Um, yeah. 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 But, you know, it's, again, it's from what we've seen. This is the thing, too, that, again, like, there's a film that we'll talk about. I think it'll be next week. But, like, you know, not seeing the film the right way kind of can also kind of shade the way you feel about a film. It can. It absolutely can. You know? Yeah. Like, if you see a film in some shitty DVD and it's, like, what are DVDs, like, 720p or, like... No, 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 no. 480. 480i. Yeah. Yeah, 480. You're seeing some 480i shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in comparison to when it was out in theaters in fucking 35 millimeter. Yeah. You're just not... It's not it's the same thing. Bad. Yeah, yeah. It's not the same thing at all. Um. Yeah, I don't... I. But, you know, from what we can see, yeah. these films are still masterpieces. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it annoys me, I mean, a lot, because as a collector especially. But um, I think, yeah, I mean, in this particular case, it's it's strong enough that you're, you know, it, the, whatever transfers out there is fine. But I, I can't imagine what a Criterion or like a 4K restoration of this would look like. I think it would reignite the conversation, and it would make... Uh, I think we're distanced enough because for a while there, it wasn't cool to say good things about Bertolucci because of some of the stuff that he got involved with. Um, but he, <laughs> he's, he's since passed, which I think is, is a detriment uh, all, when all, all things told. But um, I think it's like if, if people were to see this, like if again, if a criterion came out, like they would absolutely reunite the, the, the conversation around this film. Because it's probably, I mean, he's he has a couple, but like this is probably one of his best films. Mm -hmm, yeah, this this is definitely uh, a lot of people talk about like you must see this film, right? Uh, exactly. You yeah, must, like this is must viewing. Yeah, this is one of the great kind of character study movies ever made. I'm trying to see what happened. Uh, okay, so in 2011, they commissioned a 2K the some some Italian a film okay. archive commissioned a 2K restoration uh, supervised by Storaro. Okay. Green to Cannes in 2011. Okay. Uh, in when do we can see it? <laughs> um, in 2014, the digital restoration was released by Kino in North America and released on Blu-ray. And okay, so that's that's the equivalent. That's probably the version that is out there then. This Kino. So if you find the Kino Blu-ray, hmm. that's the that's the best version of this probably that exists today. That's interesting. I. Um... I'm not seeing it. It must have been re-released -re through a, a, another third party then. Um, <laughs> uh, no, because like the, there's no Kino. Like I, I, I'm familiar with the label and I didn't uh -huh. see it. But, and you uh, can't. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, there, there was an Arrow um, mm -hmm. release of it in in the UK, so that might be worth checking out too. So that that's at least but there is still, a there is something. Yeah, you, uh, you there is a two K version of this out there. That's that's pretty fucking good it's it a lot is. better than dvd oh my it's a lot better than dvd yeah 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 yeah. it's uh it's just you you can't quite get to some of those details until like once you get into close-ups and stuff it looks fine but like in some of those big 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 shots uh it's kind of like you you want to get a little like, you want to see the leaves on the tree kind of yeah totally totally and that's what that's what you can get with with these kind of films with that level of resolution again i would love to i would i would love to see this film like projected you know one day uh, go to Italy or something to see it. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's at least a positive note. There is a good version that you can find somewhere. Yeah. It's out this there. beautiful film. Like, mm -hmm. fucking mm -hmm. cool. Uh, all right. So my number 29 is another Russian war. Um, this is a film. This is more of an upbeat film as opposed to the previous one, but still very masterful film. This is 
this uh so this film was called ballad of a soldier mm -hmm. um directed by gregory uh chukrari or something like that i'm sorry i can't really pronounce russian name. um so this this film is about this really young guy i mean he's like he's like 12 or 14 or something who's a soldier and so he's been in the army for a long time and so they give him this short leave mm -hmm. as a reward for his service so he can go home um and the whole thing is about him trying to get home to his mother mm -hmm. but along the way he basically meets all these people who have been ravaged by the war and because of that he kind of gets sidetracked doing all these other things and kind of basically sort of helping these people who are broken by the war pretty much mm -hmm. uh there's this great i mean unbelievable scene where he's like on a train talking to the soldier who's like basically suicidal and he kind of talks him out of it Whoa. Uh, and then you kind of see why like it, it's a great reveal that's a really fucking good scene um yeah he meets like these you know like a girl i think her family all got killed or something like that it's just you know again like they like these russian war films <laughs> yeah. like they're so but this one is like this is like this if the spielberg did the russian war. interesting um come and see is is I don't, I, there's no equivalent. There's no equivalent to that. Right, 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 right. For come and see. But this is like the Spielberg, because like it's it's like horror, war, bad, sadness, depression. Mm -hmm. Where's my vodka? Let me shoot myself in the head after I, you know, down three things of vodka. Mm -hmm. But in this one, you know, it's almost like, because like, you know, that's, the, that's another thing too about the Russians during this time. They fucking fought and won this war. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, force of will pure yeah just uh, <laughs> raw numbers and just yeah power. this raw numbers force of will the like we will not be submitted by germans and nazis and this other shit fuck that mm -hmm. and i really think that this the basically the main character is sort of this stand-in of like why they were able to like it's almost like he stands in for like this national kind of avatar of the you know the russian peasant i feel like the russian peasant is like that's like, you know, there's the the Midwestern American. Yeah. The Russian peasant is the is the equivalent. Yeah. This yeah. noble person who has these 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 positive yeah. traits because of where they came from. Yeah, the hard working Midwestern farmer with his, you know, wife and three dogs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And this guy's the, you know, the the young boy from the the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but who's who's uh instrumental uh in his role to like winning the war right yeah, yeah yeah and you see that and like you know the ending is very kind of bittersweet but it's it, it really kind of is that like national kind of pride thing like no we have to like the the duty of defending the motherland and, and defeating the nazi invaders is is more important than these other small things it's just yeah it's just it's a very kind of beautiful film uh it's a very touching film um there's a lot of good performances there's a lot of really great moments i've from the minute I saw this film, I really loved it. And I, there's just something about when they do war films, like mm -hmm. I'm telling you, like they, that national, like, like catharsis comes out. Yeah. It yeah. comes out. Cause like that shit is palpable. Like there's no equivalent in like America. Yeah. Where we've, where we've had an event that killed that many people. That was that horrifying where there was that level of the closest to the civil war. And that kind of, it wasn't, a time where we could create cinema about it. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Not, but, but as it was happening or like, you know, 10, 20 years later. Yeah. Not quite. Yeah. But yeah, for, for these, these German, these, uh, I'm sorry, Russian war films, I feel like they really hit on something that is uniquely culturally Russian in terms of like how it can depict their experience 
Um, and it's it's something to behold, really. Mm-hmm. I think you nailed it. I think the there because that the, there's a reason that people talk about Russian war films so much. I mean, Battleship Potemkin, like people won't shut the fuck up about it. Uh, yeah, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. For a good reason, right? Because like the the. They when they do when they do these films like they are their heart and soul like their entire being is basically reflected in of the whole people is reflected in these films um, in, in a way that yeah I mean like if you really think about it the U S uh, you know we Pearl Harbor was a thing and there's plenty of those movies but like the U S kind of machine the the dream factory of Hollywood has always been kind of like it's got to have a beginning middle and end and then eventually it's got to have this like a, a some kind of a uplifting or some kind of a moral at the end of it and uh other you know russian films certainly you know they're very pessimistic people they don't need to they don't need to tell you pat you on the shoulder and tell you it's going to be all right sometimes they need to just if you get to that conclusion on your own then that's fine but they don't need to like uh shower you with it so that's cool and um i feel like i don't know maybe this is just me thinking while you were talking about it but like i think maybe the only kind of um because like yeah, we don't have that many movies about civil war that are like that cathartic. I feel like the only ones that really kind of broke through are like Vietnam movies. Vietnam, you're you're right. I think Vietnam is like the the if you had to come up with some kind of a, a counterpoint to these Russian war films, like those are the closest ones where like America genuinely feels bad about a war, and like you can see that in every single movie about it. Yeah, totally. Um, and yeah, that kind of makes me think of like sort of the end of Full Metal Jacket, the aimlessness of that that exactly. that shot where they're going this way, they're going that way. Yeah. It's just aimless. Even though, yeah, again, that's sort of, it, 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 it which, which is kind of funny, right? Because it's like, what's the Vietnam War thing? It's like, oh, these people are dying for no reason. Um, and we're sending them off to die in this war. And it's like, what are we fighting for? And people are kind of confused. And people, it's these young people, these fucking kids, yeah. kids that are like right. fighting these wars um yeah for them it's like the kid was the person who had their their village invaded and their it mom did, got yeah, killed. It, it, it happened to them yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 for sure but yeah the vietnam is is a good example it's a very um just yeah because like that that was that was definitely a moment in where it just shattered right this 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 whole idea shattered. like there was a revolt People got rid of the draft. People were rioting. People oh, were right, and and, and in in film, I mean, we keep talking about this period of the late sixties, early seventies, where like the film broke as well. Where like the you know, yes. fuck the studio system, fuck the code. We're gonna make movies, and we're gonna say fuck, and we're gonna show yep. some weed, and we're gonna go to you know, and then you have all of the the the, the crazy people. Uh, you got the Coppolas going out there, and the Oliver Stones going back out there, and being like, I'm gonna show you what the fuck this war was about um which which is nice um but yeah those these russian films man you can't fuck with them <laughs> these they're crazy and i, I just they're saw insane. another one this year the ascent which was another just also another film that i think is getting a criterion release like next year it's it's very early january cool. getting a criterion release that's another film it's like it's like dude like no there is something in the water yeah these <laughs> things don't come out of, it's not like they come out of nowhere like, like there's like five or six that, and there's ones that I really, really like that didn't even make my list. There's like ones like fate of a man, mm-hmm. which is just this guy. It's basically this guy. He's like a truck driver. Uh, it is him driving a truck and it, it's, it's yeah. It, it, all of them are just so crazy because they had so much to draw on like those yeah. stories. Yeah. It was a cataclysmic event. <laughs> yeah. Literally world ending. So for, for them, like this stuff is, this stuff is so palpable in the culture that there's just tons of stories about horror and war. And they, they all, they all kind of get to the same thing in a different way. 
which is just the absolute um just just bleakness of what war can do to mm-hmm. people it's mm-hmm. just it's just it just makes you submit to this this nihilism almost yeah well no that's a that's a very that's a good way to put it i mean a lot of uh not just russian films but like in general the russian people are kind of de- stereotyped or like defined often by like these they're nihilistic they're pessimistic they're very like matter of fact about stuff which i just love it when that gets reflected in some of these films and i mean they were the thing about this is they were making these films like in the 20th century so like as the shit was happening basically like um it's crazy it's crazy yeah it's totally crazy um yeah so yeah this is uh yeah, Ballad of the Soldier. That's number, my number 29 from 1959. So, yeah. Sick. Wonderful. Well, I mean, fuck it, dude. Let's just continue the uh, <laughs> let's just continue the trend this week. Uh, my number 28, right? Uh, my number 28 is a film that we've already talked about, and you can go back and you can uh, listen to me uh, gush about this movie, is uh, Lars von Trier's Melancholia. Um, I love this film. Very much. Uh, we talked about it in our top 10 of the decade, I believe. And it yeah. was my number one, I think. It was my number one of the, the 2010s. Um, I love this film so much. Uh, it's so interesting. It's a Lars von Trier film uh, with like some very... I mean, it's a von Trier film. I don't really need to qualify it more than that. But um, it's, got a, it's got a bonkers uh, cast. I mean, the cast is, uh, is just insane. Like you've got the, the two leads, uh, Kirsten Dunst and... Um, What's his name? Yeah, the, one of the one of the Scars guards. One of the uh, clan, yeah. Um, Alexander Skarsgård, and then Stellan Skarsgård is also in this because he has to be in every Von Trier movie. And then you've got Charlotte Ginsburg, and then you've got Charlotte Rampling, and you've got John Hurt, and you've got I mean this this cast just goes on and on and on. It's crazy. Um, but basically, what this movie is about, I'm not really going to give the plot away because there is a plot, believe it or not. Um, but it is. What this movie does and what it succeeds in and what the reason I love it so much is that it is the closest I've ever seen a thing, any kind of a medium. And granted, I'm not that much into books, so maybe I'm sure there's books out there that that probably get close as well. But like I've never seen a thing or like maybe there's probably like a noise rock album or something that you could put on to get you in the headspace. But this movie puts you it, it just like emanates depression it just it creates it makes you feel what a depressed first person feels like uh which is a very hard thing to do because you hear about like what are the symptoms like oh you just want to sleep all day and you never want to wake up or like you know you're moping around and you don't feel like you have any purpose you don't want to do this or that you can hear these things but when you watch this movie and you kind of again the von trier way which is he does a lot of weird shit in his movies and he does a lot of like the 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 first five five to 10 minutes of this movie are just like extreme slow motion shots of this like cataclysmic event where the world is ending. And it's just like very hyper slow-mo processed shots of the main characters, like weeping or running or not emoting at all. And you're, and it's set to like some classical music. I forget which piece it is, but it like, it just gives you this feeling of like, it's scary, but it's beautiful and then you get into it and then you kind of um, you kind of understand what the main character it, like she's just kind of off uh, and it's her wedding day and she's just like really not into it. And you're like, I don't what, what 
is this movie fucking with me or is this real? You know, like why would somebody act like this on their wedding day? And then you kind of figure out like what it is. And so this whole, the, the, the whole movie is framed against uh, there is an asteroid and it will hit the earth and, uh, or it won't. I mean, science that there's like a sub theme or like a subplot about like, do we trust scientists on these kinds of things, which is really interesting that Kiefer Sutherland's in this movie. And he's like, he's very much a, a science man. And he believes in the science. And he says, the science says it'll wrap around the earth and it won't hit us and it'll be fine. And then, yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then what does the motherfucker do? And he spends the entire movie being like this negative asshole of like, and he's frustrated that all these people have doubts. And he's like, we don't have doubts. We have science. And then what happens when he realizes the asteroid is going to hit, he fucking, he can't take it. And he kills himself. He can't handle the fire. So everybody basically kills themselves in this movie or they learn to accept their fate that the world, they're, they're all going to die. Every the life on the planet, everything is going to die and you have to accept that. Uh, and of course they, they frame it that way because, so that you can get further into the kind of mindset of, of what it's like to be a depressed person. Uh, it's just a beautiful film. Uh, again, some of the shots that they did for this, uh, the slow-mo shots with the, with the classical music is really interesting. Uh, Kirsten Dunst in this movie is incredible. Um, and I just, I just, yeah, I, I love that. Uh, I've never seen a movie or any kind of piece of art that is able to so concretely make me understand and make me feel like what a depressed person feels like. And uh, it's done by, I mean, he said that like he, he had, he's battled with depression. And so he was able to bring these things out and make this movie, but it's a, it's a really interesting movie. I love this movie. Yeah. I remember seeing this in college. Uh, they played it at like our, like we basically have a, a theater that would run second run stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had the connections to like get certain films from theaters. Uh, and so we watched that. I watched it with like a psychology major oh. student, which was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember like kind of feeling like, what the fuck <laughs> when I watched that movie, to be honest. <laughs> you, you gotta, well, you gotta know what you're, you gotta yeah. know like the Von Trier kind of method. Like you've gotta yeah. know. Mm-hmm. He's got his own writing, like his own voice, kind of. And like once you understand the way that he does things, I, this movie like 100% works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. It's an interesting one. And it's, you know, the actors, they give some performances. And yeah, yeah that thematic stuff is like real. Like, you know, I mean, do we, yeah, we're all going to die. <laughs> yeah. Um, you never know. Like, you never know, right? Like there's there's all kinds of stuff where people, oh, yeah, people say this and that and this. And then they're wrong. And then it's like, oh, whoops. Well, it's, I just, I love that. I love that in the film. Yeah. Every, every kind of counterpoint, every argument that any, any kind of optimism, any kind of positive thing, every single one of those things is stomped out. Like in a very, very like crushing and like in a very uh, definitive way is just like, no, like get out of here. Like fuck off. Like there's, there is no no light at the end of the tunnel. We're all gonna die, and then eventually at the end of the movie, they all fucking die. <laughs> so it's it's just such an awesome. I'm glad that we are able to have these movies and they're able to get financed because this is not you know this is I mean not something that it's kind of like a, in line with those Russian films. They made those Russian films because they fucking wanted to. They felt like they had to, right? It's not like they went to their government and they were like, "May we please make these movies?" It's like, no, we're gonna make these fucking movies and show you how we feel about these. Um, <laughs> this is one of those movies that is just like i i don't care about like the traditional expectations of like paying off an audience or whatever like i'm just gonna show you what depression is like yeah Uh, and i think it's valuable and i like it a lot yeah absolutely i mean and he's he's not tour um and and like man his films so interesting yeah 
definitely second second von Trier film on my list so far cool yeah um all right cool so yeah my number 28 is uh napoleon from 1927 directed by oh, it this actually made it yeah oh yeah yeah <laughs> by avogant sir i'm not sure i'm not french i don't know how to do the french pronunciations uh but this is a five and a half hour epic biopic uh there's a there's a lot of things to be said about the fan like Gantz is like one of the I mean he he's responsible for a lot of stuff that we think of in terms of just the cinematic language Mm -hmm. um a lot of the films he was making before this like um they really broke ground in terms of the editing too and the editing and the color and like so sort of there there's like this uh you know we know sort of the the montages and stuff from like the Russian uh school of filmmakers but also people like him in the french they had their own kind of style and way of doing those type of that type of non-linear editing you know giving you a feel giving you an understanding of time um and he just does everything basically everything he's ever tried to do built up into this film to create this crazy five-hour epic incredible extravaganza that ends with this basically the biggest frame in right. cinema history. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Where you took three fucking cameras and shot this invasion of Italy scene. Um, yeah, I, I, again, you know, I, I think we've talked about this before. I had the pleasure of seeing this film in Oakland, like the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Basically the equivalent of like, you know, um, seeing like an opera or some shit like that. Like it was a whole day affair. Like you, we came in at like 10 or 12, watched one part. There was a break, watched another part. Had a two-hour dinner break so and watched the end. I love that experience. Yeah, yeah, and like people were dressed up. You know, people were like dressed in the kind of um, like in the period or whatever. Or like, Wait, really? <laughs> for real? Yeah, yeah. Some interesting. Period. Yeah, yeah. Some interesting conversations. Some some like French. There's a lot of French people in the Bay Area, um, apparently, from what I from what I understand. Like to the point where there are places where you could send someone and they they would like there would be people who would like French would be the only language they really or spoke at home and at school. Uh, plus like, it would be like a French and English school anyway. But um, so yeah, like there was a lot of those people and they were just like really into watching this film. So it was, it's, it's a cool experience. Like that's something you just do not get any correct in, in cinema. Uh, it's like, it's two hours. If it's longer than that, the studio gets mad. So they're going to try and cut it. Cause they're like, Oh, well, if we, if it's more than two hours and 15 minutes, that cuts the number of times it'll play at a multiplex by 10 and mm-hmm. that costs us X. So no, that's bad. Mm-hmm. But this was the back in the day when a film was a whole experience, like mm-hmm. for a day, mm-hmm. it was like, you took out a Saturday or whatever day it was. Yeah. And you watched this film and you just consumed that much story. Mm-hmm. Like, like almost the equivalent of like consuming one season of a television show all at yeah. one yeah, yeah, tour yeah. of sitting. Um, yeah. And so this, this film again, like the, there's so much, there's so many things that they do in this film that are just like super groundbreaking in terms of the color, the editing, the acting, the camera angles, all this shit. And it's just like putting all these, this was the moment where they took all the silent era stuff that they learned and they just put it all together into one film yeah i i we we've talked about this kind of silent era before and like we've gushed about it over and over again because i do think it was be- it was before the kind of um the it was like the pre um 
I mean, obviously it was the silent era, but like it was before everything kind of became a commodity, right? And they were still making experiences like this. It wasn't just like, again, it wasn't just let's put Catherine Hepburn in a movie and well, I guess we'll put fucking Cary Grant in it too. And like, we'll make a thing out of it and like, we'll mm -hmm. produce and make product. This is back when like, it was like more akin to like an opera. Like you're going to go see an opera. And we talked about this, I think uh, when we talked about a uh, passion of Joan of Arc on my list, it was kind of like, not only did they figure out kind of what this medium was about by 1927, which is I think when both of these films came out, but like it was the exhibition of it was a part of it. And that's why, for example, for me, I don't want to watch Napoleon. I've been, I've heard a lot about it. I've read a lot about it. We've talked about it. I know about it. I know about the shot, but I, to me, I don't want to see some kind of an approximation of that shot. I would rather see it like you did. And I'd rather see that for real on like three fucking screens or whatever the case may be, you know? Um, however, we can get close to that. I would like to get as close to it as possible. Uh, and that's why, like, um, I don't know. There's some films that, like, I, I feel like need to be experienced that way. Um, but, yeah, it's like, how do you put those, you know, in conjunction with the, just any of the math? I know stuff that we've already talked about i mean like like the dark knight for example it is it, it is what it is and we talked about it already and we're going to talk about it again but like it is designed to be mass consumed in a certain way whereas these films were not um so they stand on their own um i don't know i'm rambling but like i love the idea of just taking a day out and just seeing seeing a movie like this it is a totally different type of experience in film and, and you know again just like we're talking about with the conformance like there's a certain way you're supposed to see the film. Yeah. And if you don't, you're not actually experiencing it. Yeah. You're getting some kind of, I don't know, artifice. It's like, it's like a reflection of it, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, yeah, and yeah. yeah, for this film, like, I'm really glad. Cause yeah, there's also a live orchestra playing the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. And that is a different experience. That is a different cinematic experience Absolutely. than yeah. whatever I'm going to see on my computer. Mm -hmm. um, you know? And that's, again, that's a, that's, that was like, that's film. Yeah, that's like celluloid. That's not whatever the fuck. They were making weird shit, man. I mean, other than epics and biopics and stuff like that, like they were going out on a limb. I mean, we had all kinds of stuff from like you know Metropolis and uh, Caligari, and um, there's just a lot, even like American directors were making weird shit, like uh, D.W. Griffith before he lost his fucking mind. I mean, he was making really <laughs> like psychological thrillers almost, and yeah. like. 1910s like it's it's yeah. really fascinating like that era to me is really special uh and it's it's more interesting to me than like what came later in the in the the classical period i guess um so yeah i don't know it's just a really cool era i saw this interesting thing so someone uh there's some accounts like like uh i think it's called like silent movie gifts or something like that mm -hmm. yeah i'm for sure silent movie gifts everyone should check them out like on twitter and wherever they are they do a lot of good stuff a lot of stuff that like I've seen stuff that blew my fucking mind. Mm. I saw one, there was one shot that I saw that was really cool where it was a person like they're basically they're at an opera. They're like on those, I don't know what you call those boxes where you're way at the top. Yeah. 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 Um, they were in one of those. And so <laughs> this was so fucking cool. Where like, so they're in the thing, right. And they're looking at the person who's performing. And then they did this thing where they moved the whole scene, the whole thing. And so then you basically, it looked like you were seeing, from where the person was who's performing to the whole audience. Like you panned like this, but um, obviously they had like, like there's a set here where the person is behind this thing. And there's another set there where there's like people, audience and uh -huh. the stage and they just fucking move the whole thing. But oh. the visual way it looked was like, like, like you saw someone panning across a whole auditorium of, of a play. It was, 
blew that, my fucking mind. That's crazy. But that's the kind of shit that they came up with because it's all purely visual. Yeah. It's all yeah. purely and, visual. Like, uh, like uh, we haven't even talked about like George Melier stuff. Like, they just purely just inventing shit. And it's not like they didn't have monitors. They weren't like able to play it back and see if it looked cool. They had a way to s- calculate um, a way that a shot would turn out uh, and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. Like, and yeah, I, I, the ingenuity, the idea of Napoleon being like, yeah, we're yeah. going to fucking shoot on like three cameras and yeah, we're make it one strip. Like, it's it's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, so he had list, posted like this list of like, it was like a bunch of the critics at the time, their top 10 lists uh, oh, from like 19, like 1925 oh. or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And it was very interesting to see. Uh, but like a lot of the films you're talking about, like these weirded, weird kind of. Uh, D.W. Griffith kind of almost like a thriller of the of the era. Mm-hmm. We're like on the list. Uh, the one I I forget the, who the actress was who we always collaborated with. Uh, Lillian Gish. Yeah, Lillian Gish. Some of these Lillian Gish movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that are just like you know the the dramas or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. There, there was yeah there was definitely some very interesting stuff being made and like again like we were saying people didn't really see it as art. Yeah. This is another film where like. Half the they just they just did a run and they're like okay let's burn it let's and they burn burned, they burned half the fucking <laughs> and it took us forever to restore it you know found something in a salt mine or found something down so, a down a shaft. <laughs> what's the story with uh, with Napoleon? Has that always been preserved or no? It was it was it was uh let me see because that's a that's a huge I mean that's a lot of reels that's a lot of film to yeah there there's actually a lot of stuff. Let's just call it historical stuff. And what's kind of funny is so like the school I went to, one of our professors was like a very like this is his thing, film history. Mm-hmm. Like he's one of the experts. Um, and so he was talking about like basically there was this other there's some other kind of um <laughs> film historians who have different takes about why what happened to this film happened, and they all get into arguments. And it, it's <laughs> basically there's there's much to do about the story of what happened to this film. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You know, like after, you know, it, it, it was released and then parts of it were discarded or burned and there are different versions. There's an American version. There's a version in, um, you know, in France. And then they basically had to take different parts of it and splice them together to figure out what is the most, the closest to what okay. is, you know, the actual thing that people saw Mm-hmm. when it came out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah like there's <laughs> this is crazy there's there there are wow it looks like over a dozen different versions of of the film that exist wow in different yeah so they yeah i get it so there was it's like a whole effort of uh figuring out like we have yeah. the pieces and like how how the fuck do we put it together <laughs> yeah so by okay so the original Okay, so there's one version, a Paris opera, 250 minutes. There's a definitive edition from 1927 that's 562 minutes. Jesus Christ. And then there was a UFA version that was 180 minutes. This is still 1927. And then there's like another, they split it into two parts, but the total was 250. These are all playing at the same time. <laughs> and Right? Uh, yeah, um, yeah. And then you go into later and there's like a black and white version, just black and white. That's like from the 50s. And then in the 70s, they recreated a 20 frame per second, four hour version of this film. Wow. And so at this point, we're kind of, we've lost like an hour of the film, 
right? Yeah, right. At this point in time, we there's just like an hour. Where is it? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, and then over time, there's different restorations that bring us closer to what played in that's 27. Uh, there's like there's a Coppola restoration. There's yeah. So the guy, I think his name's Kenneth Kevin Bart or Kevin Brownlow. He was the one who's really championed this film, and he's been the one trying to restore it. Um, and the restoration that we have now is from his work and other people's work, other scholars and other basically film archives right, right, that right. are scouring the fucking earth to find some random piece of a minute so they could yeah. put it in and yeah. say, oh, my God, we got another minute of this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there there's there's a lot. There's a lot of. And yeah, so so basically the DVD version, Blu-ray version now. There's a Blu-ray. A, mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, they released it. It says, it says here, 2016, they created like a DCP of a, a five and a half hour version. That's awesome. So, but yeah, I mean, for a long time. Years, but we got there. <laughs> for a long time, it was gone, right? Yeah, yeah. For a long time, this movie was a myth. It's like the Lord of the Rings or some shit. Like, yeah. oh, yeah. I, he- I heard there was this film, this five hour film. Does it? No. It's, yeah. It's, 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 it's a, it's a very interesting, uh, very interesting kind of just like the history of it um yeah because you could tell a whole story just on <laughs> the, the restoration of this the rest thing. the history of yeah. the restoration yeah and yeah, yeah i got to see it so the san francisco silent film festival in in july 2011 they ran this thing where they were playing it and then they played it in oakland at uh the fox theater i know is it the fox yeah i think it was the fox oakland they played it there oh, that's where i got to see it. that's awesome uh, yeah i've been there yeah, no, I'm sorry. It was the Paramount. So, so they played it at they played at the Paramount between March 24th and April 1st of 2012. That's when I got to see it, and that was the five and a half hour version, <laughs> arranged, scored and arranged by uh, Carl Davis and a 46 Peaks Oakland East Bay Symphony. <laughs> so I got to see that. Yeah. One of the great, one of the greatest cinematic like experiences I've ever had. And we'll that's that. got to be, yeah. And that is, it's a such a blessing. <laughs> that's got to be one of the the definitive way to see this fucking movie. Uh, yeah, if we can't get a time machine to go to France and see yes. it, then this is the closest you could get. And uh, I'm glad you got to experience that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, this movie is, it's it's something else, you know? I feel like when we talked about Gone with the Wind, we talked about this. It's, it's an artifact of a time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is kind of gone now. But when you kind of go back and experience that again, it's it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's just incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really cool. I mean, it's not like you can, I, I guess it's, technically you could go see a Greek play, right? Like I'm sure you could find some kind of, uh, some kind of fucking company that is, that is doing those and they're doing them uh, originally with the way that the actors were and stuff. But like there's, you can't really replicate the feeling of being in that public square, right? With all of those people and, you know, people throwing apples and shit at the stage. Like you can't really replicate that. And I think the closest we can get like with film, I think is because it's a pre-recorded medium. Uh, we are able to kind of keep bringing it back, like re- propping up the corpse and bringing in the orchestra and like kind of breathing life into it for like one or two more engagements. Um, I-, I love that we can do that with it. And we can sort of put ourselves in that uh, mind frame of like, what would it be like to watch this in the 20s? Um, it's cool that we can do that because we all, we have that like shared history of humanity, right? But like it's impossible to to understand what it was like because of just our, our world is just so different. It's just so hyperactive. So it's cool that we can do that with some films. Yeah, it is. Um, 
Yeah, I feel I feel like man, the cinephiles got a band together. We gotta protect yeah, right. we gotta protect this shit because yeah, like no one else no one else cares enough about it. Um, That's also true. That's also true. It's part of the. I didn't want to get into this like long discussion about it, but like it's part of the kind of commodification and the 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 making of like you know the yes okay films are a product now, but you've seen so many and you've seen things that are like basically at this point if you watch an Avengers movie, you're watching a hundred years of film history play out, but you you don't you're not aware of it, but you're taking it in subconsciously. So then when you go back and you watch a movie from the eighties, you're like, uh, I've seen this done better. But it's only because of those films and those films that those films inspired and the rabbit hole goes on forever that mm-hmm. you know you're able to arrive to this like lang- like uh, commonly kind of agreed upon language that we're in right now. But uh yeah I think it, people people just get bored basically is what I'm saying. Like if I were to put the conformance in front of someone for the most part, I think they would they would say, "Oh, that's really pretty," but I'm kind of bored. You know, like what's the plot? Like, what when is the plot going to pick back up? Because we're so conditioned with the law and orders and everything. So it's just a different. Uh, it's a blessing and a curse, I think. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because it, it means more films. These big, because like you know, film was really kind of headed into, and I, I feel like there was this thing. I think it was like 2011 or something. Like Spielberg and. Lucas talked about where film is headed. Mm-hmm. It's headed to where it's just, you know, these big studios put out like five to 10 films a year. Their budgets are like 150 to $200 million. Right. The tickets cost like $15, $20, $25. If you live in LA, it's like 20. If you live in New York, it's like 20, 25. In San Francisco, it's like, it's like 18, 20, $25. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and it's just going to totally be bifurcated. Mm-hmm. It's be totally bifurcated. And these things are, you know, like Scorsese said, it's like it's like a amusement park ride. Yeah, yeah right, right, right. Well, a, a quote that I really like was actually from one of the writers of the Transformers movies. I think it's like Aaron Kruger or something. And he was like, "The way that we write these scripts is um, we 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 write it we 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 are aware that we are making a Six Flags roller coaster. We're making a Six Flags attraction, so we write everything around that." We, we don't start with the with the character or a theme or a plot. We start with the getting you to that point of like you're at that point where you're like going down the roller coaster. Like that's where we start. And then we build everything around that. So it's different. And I mean, like Quibi is an example of a thing that, you know, mm. it's not just that films are, you know, bifurcated and like, okay, there's $200 million budgets and this and that. But like the audiences, like they got to a point where some fucking billionaire was like, clearly these people don't have any attention span. So we're going to give them 10, 15 minute movies uh, on their phones on in portrait mode shot for portrait mode, because these people just don't fucking care. They would rather watch a TikTok and, you know, or like a crappy YouTube video or something than watch a film with a story. Like they're just not like the payoff is not good enough anymore. The dopamine hits too quickly <laughs> on these other things. So it's just interesting, I guess. I don't know. Quibi is certainly uh, like, <laughs> Just, just uh, the the quintessential thing of our time. It, it's the logical conclusion to like everything we were just talking about. <laughs> we go from a five and a half hour orchestra Napoleon engagement to a ten minute portrait mode movie on your phone. Yeah, like that's that is the logical endpoint. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um. Yeah. How far we've come. So yeah. So that's. You know, we could we could talk a lot about it, but that's uh, yeah. yeah, that's my number twenty eight, Napoleon by Albert Gantz. Sick. Well, yeah, we we've livened it up a little bit, so let's liven it up a yeah. little. Bit oh, it's it's getting it's gonna get more positive. Mine will. Yeah, so mine, 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 mine. Um, oh, okay. Just wanted to turn on the lights before it gets too dark. You like know, last what? time I was in the fucking black. 
<laughs> I, was about, I was worried about that too. I'm thinking that my monitor is going to be lit here. Um, I should probably turn on my lights, but whatever. Um, anyways, smash cut. Pow. <laughs> um, my number 27 is just one of the greats. And I mean, if you're talking about like a TV all-star and a movie that you can't pull away from a movie that's going to be around forever, that is just entertainment value. 11 out of 10. Uh, number 27 is the departed. Oh, hell yeah. Martin Scorsese's the departed. This is another one that comes close to the kind of fun factor of like a Wolf of Wall Street or something. It's like where he is uh, a little more hyper active as a director i feel like then then like he he's a little less kind of uh reined back and it's just a, it's a lot more active of a film i don't know how to describe it but um it's just such a great fucking film it's so much fun it's uh, it's the uh are you a cop i'm not a cop it's it's that whole meme um because it's a fucking cop i'm not a fucking cop <laughs> I, know, I know i know what you want i know what you're not you're not a fucking cop dude i just I love <laughs> So quotable. This movie is so quotable. Dude. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, I think this movie doesn't necessarily fall apart, but it is like, <laughs> the, the reason that it is as highly regarded as it is is because they put Jack Nicholson in there and oh, they allowed God. him because like Jack Nicholson at this point, he'd been making those uh, fucking. Dude, uh, this is it. This is basically it for him. This was the last thing. Yeah. Basically, he ever- this is right. But uh, but before this point, he was doing what he did like uh, the some like uh, about Schmidt, and he was doing those uh, what's her name Nancy, um, oh, like Nancy James Myers, works the Nancy Myers movies, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, so like just kind of like the old man roles, kind of. Um, and he was successful at it. But to me, the reason I love this movie so much, I mean, I love this movie for a lot of reasons. I think it's a perfect movie for what it is. But uh. It's that they brought in Jack Nicholson and they just told him to play 70s Nicholson. They just told him, just don't rein it in. This is not about your emotions. This is not about trying to be a respected, you know, like, oh, look how far he's matured. This is not about that. We want you to go fucking crazy. You want to write in a thing where you're doing coke off someone's ass? We're putting that in the movie, you know? Uh, Dude, he's so funny. And then there's that scene where he's talking to Leo. It's like, man, I got a rat teeth. I'm fucking rat. And he does these express. Like, that shit is so funny. funny. And like the scene where he, like, they're in the movie theater and he's just like jerking off. And he's like, it's it's, it's literally Taxi Driver, except like the punchline is a dildo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I love that about this movie. And that's what I'm saying. Like, this is again, Scorsese kind of lightening up a little bit. And he's just kind of like, just fuck it, dude. Like, I'm not trying to show you the psychological uh, warfare of Howard Hughes or whatever. This is fucking. We're just gonna go for it. I can I can do gangsters. I can do dirty cops. I, there's so many. Like you said, it's so quotable. So um, quotable. We would be cunts. Are you calling us cunts? <laughs> it's just so great. And the cast in this movie is unbelievable. Yes, it is incredible to this Kick day. Ass. How amazing this cast is. I mean, you can, you can keep reading down the list and the the names. I know. Um. Yeah. So, like, all kinds of like classic gangster actors. I mean, they even got fucking Ray Winston in this in this movie. Yeah, Ray Winston is amazing. We haven't talked too much about like British gangster films, which is another subset of movies that I love. But like, Ray Winston's the guy, and uh, they brought him into this. And so, like, he just they know what they're doing. Martin Scorsese knows what the fuck he's doing. Yeah, he's like, I'm not one in a million. <laughs> I'm one in two million. <laughs> Yeah, he's just playing one million percent to everybody's. There, there's so many things I love about this movie. Like, like one of my favorites is like, so they they 
uh, Leo and Ray Winstone go to like collect money from some bookies and he's beating the shit out of the guy. And then the, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, he's way like Leo's on edge. Cause he's like, dude, I'm a fucking cop. And they're making him wear a wire. Mm-hmm. He wears a wire to this, this meeting. And then he comes out with a fucking hand and he's giving him the speech about, about John, about John Lennon while they play this John Lennon song track. Yeah. And he's like looking at the hand and he's, and his wife's like, I'm going out to join you. It was like, the fuck you mean you're going to, and it's just so funny. <laughs> and then, so then, yeah, in the scene, um, I just love, cause this is so like, it kind of hits on something truly American hmm. where he's like, he's like, the guy's like, I don't have any money, man. Like I, like I give you guys money. And then like other people t- take my money. He's like, well, this is America. Make more fucking money. And if you don't, you're a piece of shit. And he slaps him again. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that. There's so many. And then like, oh my God, the scene when they meet with the Chinese guys and he <laughs> yeah. says, no, no ticky, no laundry. Oh yeah. my God. Yeah. <laughs> In this country. <laughs> I mean, he's that guy. He's just playing that fucking guy. It's just amazing. Yeah. That, like American, like, listen, motherfuckers, like, yes, we may be immigrants, but we are like the original immigrants, <laughs> you know? Fuck you. That that speech at the beginning, too, is like, you know, like an Irishman couldn't get anything and then we got the presidency because you got to take it like that. That was some real shit. Honestly, that's a real American kind of shit. No yeah. one gives you anything. You have to take everything. You have to take it by force or violence or political will. Yeah. And that's who this guy is. He's just this guy who came and rose out of this this environment, as he says, yeah. to become this this gangster. Um, and then he, you know, how does he meet the Matt Damon character? Like the Matt Damon character is this kid on his block and he recruits him and he mentors him and he uses him as his stoolie, basically. It's yeah. yeah there's the, the this is like this, and this is an adaptation. I think we should also kind of talk about this. this is an adaptation of like was it like a Chinese movie or a, it was, um it's like a Hong Kong film or something Hong Kong yeah something like that. But William Monaghan kills it with the script. Yeah, script is fucking amazing. Yes. And again, it's amazing. it's just it's a really 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 like it's the dialogue is just so well written in this. And uh, again, it just, I, I don't know what Marty's process is. I don't know. I know he like rewrites a lot of stuff and he doesn't like credit himself for it, but like whatever, whenever he gets one of these more like energetic kind of scripts, like he just goes for it. He goes off the walls. Like he gets these characters and he, he like inputs them exactly where they need to be. Um, and again, the backdrop of the, the immigrants and you've got that dropkick Murphy song. Like I can't think of, you can't yeah. get departed to me without me going like dun dun, like in my head. Yeah. I do it. Uh, it's yeah. everything about this movie is just like a perfect little package. Um, yeah. So I, I love the scene where they like so they're, they they got the cameras set up for this exchange with the Chinese guys, and then they're watching, and then they they the the, the gangsters know which way to get out so that they're not recorded. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and the, and then the guys like, what the fuck's going on? We can't see. What the fuck is going on? And and then they start cussing out this guy. He's like, and he's like, well, I, I'm the guy who did whatever. Who the fuck are you? I'm the guy who does his job job you must be the other guy <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's all these just like hilarious moments where it's just super quotable yeah it's super funny um and, and these characters are just like they just blow up off the screen um, yeah and i mean it's again it's like it's they they set it in on the east coast in fucking south boston or whatever and they just he really dives into that like irish immigrant kind of like potato v- Inner- dude there there's a scene where they're where they the two guys go and they they're 
there's this uh this this convenience store owned by some Indian guy and he's and they're trying to take his money and he and he's like I don't have any money I don't know what to do he's like oh you don't have any money well I don't know what to tell you so Irish neighborhood try selling potatoes and then Leo fucking beats the shit out of him exactly no, they, they knew like yes it's an adaptation but like they they knew exactly what what they were adapting it to basically like the the the, the types of people in the the kind of area and of course it helps that you've got Matt Damon, like you've got some fucking Matt Damon and uh, Mark Wahlberg, like you've got some locals basically who bring a lot of uh, in, in lead roles who bring authenticity to it. Um, yeah, the, I, this other one I, I love. Uh, there's this this thing. So uh, Sullivan, he finds this guy. Basically, they kill some some like Italian guys, and then they, you know, he and then Costello tells him how to like find the bodies and prove where it was. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's like, like, oh, like, oh, so uh, who who killed him? Like, oh, this guy Jimmy Pappas. What happened to Jimmy Pappas? Jimmy had a bad month, so he went to county and he got stabbed and he had a heart attack and then he died. Yeah. And then and then he's like, Qui Bono, who benefits? Like, Qui gives a shit. He's got a bow <laughs> in it. And he's like, you, you are a detective because that's what they they don't give a fuck. The guy's dead. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Close. Problem mm-hmm. solved. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting seeing like how that works from the other side, right? Because this is just a setup for Costello to kill some guys, and he's just basically washing it clean. Um, that's some real shit. Like, there's, there's really like, you know, that's how these detectives make their work. They know yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not like corrupt or whatever, but like you gotta like, you know, just watch the wire. You gotta know. It's like, um, what's like chasing. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, Glenn, Glenn Ross. It's like you got to have your leads. Like, where's my fucking leads? You know, like how many do you have and, and what can we act on kind of a thing? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, this stuff, this movie just hits on so many good things. It's just, yeah, it's such a fun and it's, movie. And it's so, even if you don't get into any of that stuff, if you don't really care, if you don't even understand like what the whole commentary is with the, with the, with the meta narrative of like the, the immigrants and the, the FBI and all that stuff, like it's just so entertaining to watch. And uh, it's not a uh coincidence and it's not like a mystery that this movie wins an oscar for best film editing once again tell them the schoonmaker <laughs> so yeah the yeah. editing's. i mean really it, it just it just is man and uh yeah it's just one of the greats for me yeah yeah there's a lot to be said like leo's great matt's great yeah. I think this is this is basically this is the last Jack Nicholson, and it, this is the perfect swan song for Jack Nicholson too, because yeah. he started he started kind of well. The reason that he became famous is you know that Easy Rider role where he's just like a pot smoking psychedelic freak, right? And then he just kind of rode that all throughout the seventies, uh, and then this is kind of his swan song of like you know like that. Uh, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Uh, <laughs> pretty yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. yeah, Alec Baldwin's great. Mm-hmm. Vera Farmiga's in this. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff, especially with like the the um, the Matt Damon character. There's right. a lot. There's a lot of things that are repressed about him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Well, let's put it that way. Boston. Um, it this uh, we could put it in this way. Uh, go back and uh, check out Mystic River and see what that's about. That's also uh, that's also a Boston movie. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and you know the thing about it too, like I guess I'll just end on this. Like, there's, there's Marty, just like he's such a great director. He's so that's why that's why great. we're talking about this movie. It's so it's like, fucking great. This director. is a great script, but like we're that's why we're talking about this movie. Yeah, right? he he just like 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 that scene where they're at the opera. Yeah, right? like the way that was edited, mm-hmm. and he's like, I just love that shot too. It's like you see him and his wife. And it's like whoop, 
and it's the three of them. <laughs> <laughs> and the way that she was shot too, like the color of that scene. Um, and then they like do this cut, like whoosh, you see the coke. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He just, just cuts to the coke, and then it's like he wants some coke. And he just it's throws so, it. so beautiful. I mean, it's it's just so funny. Like, cause like you keep saying like that's some real shit. I think that's that's one of Marty's things. That's why people are so obsessed with his movies that deal with criminals and the mob and things like that. Because to a degree, everything that they show is like it's like you know people like that, or you know, or you've seen people acting this way. Uh, and they just able to make it cinematic and, but like not lose that about it. Um, not embellish it too much. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's really there's, interesting. There's an Irish shot in this movie. Mm -hmm. There's an mm -hmm. Iris out in the, like yeah. something you basically don't see. You never see it. That's like a cardinal <laughs> sin. That's <laughs> like, what the fuck are well, we doing just, here? Well, it's just, it's just too antiquated. It's just, yeah. too I've seen, I've seen there's, what's funny is there's one movie I saw. It was like, it was the collector Two did one of the best irises I've seen and modern it, the, i would say the best i would go out and say it, it, it was i've got to rewatch that it, it had that the, part it had the best iris i've seen in modern cinema that's funny that's so the funny. fucking the fuck yeah the fucking collect but this one's really interesting like he always goes above and beyond yeah and again he's a student of film so yeah. he's taking in all these things this is just like a gangster movie but he just mm -hmm. elevates it ascends it so much um, exactly yeah, it's it's a great movie. Uh, great, 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 great. Yeah, the departed. The departed. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, so that was my number twenty-seven. Cool. All right. So my number twenty-seven, uh, a film I'm sure Lucian does not like at all. Probably hates, or maybe feels indifferent about. But it's a fun film that I like because I like these types of goals. And this is, I think, the best one of them all. Singing in the rain. Oh sure, no, 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 no. I you, I you can't fuck with the classics. I like singing in the rain. Yeah, yeah. So, and this is this is kind of you know this is some inside baseball too. This film's basically about you know the Hollywood going from the silent era to the sound era. Yeah, and then oh, they're good. yeah, and they're trying to figure out how to how to do this thing. Plus all the your typical Gene Kelly just. Dude. Masterful, masterful. Dude, dude, dude. Man. The first time I saw this movie, so like I fucking hate musicals, right? Like yeah. I just do. Uh when I saw this movie, I didn't know I didn't know who Gene Kelly was. I don't give a fuck about dance or, or theater or any of that stuff. I saw this movie and I was like, oh God, here we go. And then I found out it was a movie about movies. And I was like, I like, okay, I'm in. I'm in. And then yeah. I saw some of the fucking dance numbers in this. Like in particular, the uh, the got uh, what's it? The got a dance scene or whatever. Uh, the the like complete the, the non sequitur basically like towards the end of the film where it's just like him showing off basically with that woman with the fucking scarf or whatever. Oh, like um, in the in the studio. Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. they're in the studio a lot, yeah. and they're yeah. Oh, that's that's just that yeah, dude. I, it blew my fucking mind. I was like, this the human beings did this. Like, yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy. Yeah, this stuff is like. This the stuff that they did was incredible and it was fun and it's this is like just like if if I had to say what are the top ten I need a positive uplifting fun popcorn just enjoy my life and not want to you know jump off a cliff mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. is like definitely way up there it's just so fun it's so positive mm -hmm. it's so beautiful um yeah like just when he does the singing in the rain that whole piece is like incredible. It's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. Like there's nothing yeah. else we can really say. It's just pure cinematic mastery. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and this is an example really of what it's kind of funny too, right? Because like the whole thing's about the transition from silent to sound. This right. is what sound can do for you. Yeah. This is what you can do cinematically with it. Mm -hmm. That is different from the silent era while also being cinematic and filmic. 
right? This mm-hmm. is this is the this is the new marriage of like creating a new kind of uh, sort of language for what film can do with the new tools. Yeah, not much else I really want to say. I, it's just I, I love the film. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a really great film. No, that's 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 what I like about it actually, and that's what I appreciate about it because there's a lot of musicals that are just uh, that were just kind of churned out that were just product, you know, and like you've got like it's just more about the kind of like a guy and a girl and then he has to sing and whatever. Um, but I love the meta narrative of this movie. Like I, I you know, I'm a, I, clearly I'm a sucker for meta narratives and, and stuff like this, like things that are about things that you're like watching unfold. That is like about the thing that you're watching unfold. It's like I, I like that stuff. Um, and I love that, uh, like the, the scenes in the beginning where um, they find the perfect actress or whatever, but her voice is shit. So then they have to like replace like that's just so funny. And uh, yeah, it's, it's really enjoyable. Like I wouldn't watch this again, obviously, because like I'm not into the, the musical numbers as much. But I love that they were able to take this concept of like, what if we make a movie about sound, you know, and we make it like truly all about sound. Like I like that about it. Yeah, it's it's a fun. It's a fun movie. It's a good one. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, um, yeah. Singing in the Rain. That's my number 27. From one of the one of the greats. Dude. Absolutely. Um, Number 26, then, is, uh, and believe you me, I was just as shocked as, uh, I guess, I shocked myself uh, that this isn't higher on the list. Uh, number 26 is Reservoir Dogs, which is the first Tarantino movie I ever saw, uh, surprisingly enough. And I have a really dumb story about how I got turned on to this movie for, in the first place. Uh, but uh, the first time I saw it, I, don't, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't, know what, I didn't even know what it was about. Uh, so the reason that the, the, what turned me on to this movie, believe it or not, and this will date me instantly and you can hate me forever. Um, there was a Reservoir Dogs PS2 and Xbox video game that they made that somehow or another, some fucking company got the rights to make. And this was like a real B tier video game company got the rights to make a Reservoir Dogs movie like in 2005 or six or something like way after the fact. Um, and, and it has none of the original cast in the movie. None. <laughs> none of it. But what they did is so the, the, the conceit of the game was like you play the events that you don't that they talk about in the movie. You play oh through God, the jewelry heist yeah. and you play through all of these things. And I'm like every time somebody says like, yeah, and then the motherfucker and then they gave me the stink guy and then I fucking shot up the place like that's in the, you know, so <laughs> they, 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 they preface all of the levels with cutscenes, which are just shot for shot remakes of the scenes in the movie. But there were CGI actors that don't look like the actors and they don't sound like the actors. But the dialogue was interesting enough to me that I was like, what the fuck is this movie? I got to watch this movie. And so I tracked it down. I got like a DVD of it. And I was surprised as uh, this was the first kind of moment was, was, again, it was before I got into like a lot of the uh, Tarantino stuff, I guess, like I knew about Pulp Fiction and stuff like that. And I think I was in like Grindhouse was coming out and that's, I was like kind of hyped on it. Um, And so I watched this movie and it just, the dialogue just blew me away. Um, That, that beginning shot, that like 360 shot where they're just talking about like Madonna's dick coming out of my left ear and I've got this and that. And yeah, it was just so great. Um, I mean, shit, man. I don't know. I could talk about Reservoir Dogs for like an hour, but like to make a movie, and that's that's another one of these like simple concept type of movies. Like the the plot is incredibly fucking convoluted, but it is the idea is that it's a movie about guys talking about a crime that either they're gonna do or they already did. But we don't mm-hmm. actually like we don't have the budget to show it to you. But we're, <laughs> we're gonna make up for it in spades by like putting these 
personalities in a room together. Like I, I remember that that scene in the office and what's his name? Joe. Is Joe like the big the 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 boss basically Michael Madsen basically goes into his office and they talk about like, yeah, I did some time for the family, whatever. And then Chris Penn comes in the room and they're just like saying all this horrible shit to each other. <laughs> and there's like this camaraderie and stuff. And I was like, okay, like what, like this is, you could make a movie that is just talking and it's so yeah. entertaining. It is so entertaining. This film, this film is like, this film is really it for Tarantino. This is yeah. why it all works. Yeah. Because he was able to make this movie and it, 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 the Tarantino isms come out. Uh, all right? of them pretty much right off the bat. Yeah. Stuck in the middle with you. Right. You mm-hmm. think of that, you hear that song, uh, you think of the, the dude mm-hmm. getting his fucking ear chopped off. The super sounds of the seventies. Like the guy that, well, he creates his own universe. He creates the radio station and he gets the guy to record the voiceovers. Like you're listening to whatever, whatever, you know, super sounds of the seventies. And today we're bringing you this. Yeah, this. Um, yeah, he talked about this recent. I saw this thing. It keeps coming up in my like Instagram feed. Because uh, this, so this movie is like sort of similar to was it City on Fire? This like Hong Kong film. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I haven't seen that movie. But I'm sure that that movie is probably basically. He said <laughs> this movie is the end of that movie. <laughs> Just the end of it. Yeah, it's the end, and then he expanded it into this whole thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which is yeah, again like. Look, we all know Tarantino does like he takes his favorite shit. Yeah. And but his favorite shit is some it's not like, you know, Lawrence well, of Arabia. Well, it's like and my it's, favorite shit. Yeah, it, exactly. It's literally just the dumb shit that I like. It's the dumb shit, it's the yeah. B movies, it's the yeah. it's the weirdo off the wall kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the stuff he wants to reference. Yeah. Plus his other in-world pop culture, he's just a pop culture savant. Mm-hmm, so he's mm-hmm. just spitting it out um yeah, and yeah. and he just puts that into his little world but the fact that he was able to pull off this really really low budget and wasn't wasn't Kaitel the guy who really really helped make get this made Kaitel was the yeah correct uh, they, well he was like this movie was being it's it's very interesting i remember looking into it like he tarantino got into some kind of like uh, it was i don't it was like a con thing i don't remember what it was but he got into some kind of like a camp sort of where he was being mentored by like established hollywood uh sure yeah yeah they have they they these these things are actually like if you see there's um they call it's like a sundance institute thing Sundance or something like that yeah yeah these things are like actually really even to this day like really really important ways to get new artists connected with people so that they can get their films made but yeah i mean yeah, That's I, how you I make connections and stuff. I don't remember the details, but yeah. So basically, it was like he was part of a group of like eight people or whatever. And uh, I think the guy that was assigned to him was Terry Gilliam. And uh, he's got a lot of stories about Terry Gilliam, but he was basically like, at some point, they figured out like, this is going to be the one. Like, he is the chosen one, kind of. And then uh, Keitel got the script. And uh, he was also the first person to read the script for Pulp Fiction as well. And he basically, he was, he was kind of the guy who was just like, does Harvey like it? Because then I know I'm on the right track, kind of, in the early yeah. days. Uh, which is really cool. He, he pro- I'm sure Tarantino loves Bad Lieutenant and all that shit. Like, oh, no, 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 no. It's a fact that he loves those fucking movies. I mean, it's you can't. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, what's actually what what I now that I think about it, you know, what my first exposure to this movie was, was I went to a blockbuster and you know how they were selling all kinds of like memorabilia and like posters and shit. There was a poster in the blockbuster of uh, Harvey Keitel, you know, with a gun from Reservoir Dogs. And it says, you shoot me in a dream, you better wake up and apologize. And I thought that was just about the most badass, coolest motherfucking thing I've ever seen. And I was yeah. like, I gotta, 
I got like, yes, please give me this, whatever this is. And so that's kind of what turned me on to, to this whole thing. And then I found out about the game and I was like, oh, is it like the movie? And then I watched the movie. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but just just the idea, like, again, all the Tarantino isms come out. But like the idea that you can make an entire movie that feels grand in your head, like you feel like, oh, there's this jewelry heist and there's all this shit and there's a police chase. You don't really get to see any of that. The dialogue is just so strong that it brings all this up. And the dialogue and the performances, I mean. This movie doesn't really work if you don't have Steve Buscemi and, and Tim Roth and uh, Harvey Michael Keitel, Madsen, Michael Madsen, Keitel. And, yeah, Chris mm-hmm. Penn. Like it doesn't work without all of the all of the pieces. But he got a you know he's a, he assembled his kind of fucking Avengers for this one, and it's yeah. really, <laughs> it's really fucking good. What I love too is like you know again like this he's building this universe. Yeah, which is funny because this is before that really was an idea. It's very much. It's, al- it's almost too early because like. And I, I don't know. I almost feel like he doesn't. He doesn't. He, he could. He could like make a lot of money basically selling uh, to some. You know, to Netflix. I will or Sony, who yeah. he's basically hooked up with now. I will do a Tarantino Universe TV show. Well, he was Give working me. on it. He was trying. I mean, that was the whole reason of the whole like the the so fucking Super Team Force Viper Six or whatever. Like that whole. Oh, the uh, TV show. The th- well, the thing, yeah, the TV show that became Kill Bill, and then um, he was going to do a Vega Brothers thing. If it was, yeah. was going to be a movie, then it was going to be a TV show, and then it died. But like, you know, like I feel like maybe at this point he's probably he's so jaded that he like wouldn't want to commercialize his shit. But uh, he could have. <laughs> uh, if if yeah, if if this had happened a few years later, it yeah. I feel like that's where it would have gone. Uh, yeah. Kill Bill would have oh Kill Bill would have been a TV show in a heartbeat. <laughs> Absolutely, I mean it's already basically yeah. I mean you got the guy from Kung Fu in it, so like yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I really, I really like um, yeah. Just, just this, this, this film really is is where it all really starts for him as a director. Yeah, but even before um, I was aware of him and like what his strengths were, it was it's a gangster movie with these gangsters and it's like uh, in retrospect like when I watched Bad Lieutenant I was like I get what like it's I get what he was doing. Like I understand where these things like they didn't come out of thin air, you know, but it is an amalgamation of all of these things. It's an amalgamation of like there's a Bronx tale in this movie. There is, you know, once upon a time in America in this movie. There's like all of these things in this movie, but it's a really small kind of just people screaming at each other, but it's very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. It's a pretty incredible film. Um <laughs> totally just set him off mm-hmm. on a rocket. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But on its own, it's just it's one of my favorite movies to rewatch because of the the dialogue is just so strong. Yeah, it's super it. strong. It's really so where's that girl gonna be? Right here, sitting on my cock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love all this stuff, and even like yeah, the whole thing with the anecdote, that whole thing, and then like we kind of get the the through line of like yeah, and like the way that he uses time. Right, he's always been well, always always been like oh, I'm gonna fuck with it. I'm gonna yeah. fuck with you. This movie and, plays out of order, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I'm going to fuck with you, and you're not gonna know. And I, I forget who it was, but someone, one of the actors who was a part of this, was just talking about just like the scene where I think it's Harvey Keitel, right? Like, like there's a scene where the cops get shot, and he shoots the shit out of them. Yeah, but you don't see it. Yeah, well, you see him shooting the gun, right? Someone, we see someone shooting a gun in this, right? Well, we see plenty of people shooting the gun, but like in that particular scene, we don't. I don't think we see anybody shooting anything. Okay, who who do we see shooting what in this movie? I for, I forget. Well, we see them all shoot each other. Uh, I feel like there's one scene where there's not a shootout, but there's like, yeah, I feel like there's a scene where it's Kaitel and someone else and or like whoever the undercover cop is. Mm-hmm. And then there's some cops come and we just yeah. see them. She kill the cops. 
but it's like one cop car. It's like one cop car and they like get blasted and killed think- and then they're in the car and he's bleeding out. No, I mean that that's not how I remember it. I know that it it starts with the diner scene. We get the slow-mo walk and then it cuts to he's already bleeding in the back of the car and then eventually it's revealed. We the only time we really see any shooting I think is when Steve Buscemi's running down the the street and he's like shooting at the cops. Yeah. That 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 could be another scene, but I yeah. I, I don't remember that. I know that he deliberately did the thing where like um at the end of the movie, like he doesn't show you the, the Harvey Keitel getting blasted or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you killed by the cops or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, someone was like describing like how how like different and brutal the the stuff, the way he depicts that kind of the shooting and the violence. Like, like he was yeah. like, yeah, you can tell that he thinks a lot about just like the way that you know someone gets shot or well, someone shoots a gun or like the way that the gun sounds the way the gun looks you know mm-hmm. it's not yeah. it's not this flippant fucking hollywood bullshit it's totally yeah different. yeah yeah yeah. i mean the the tarantino like mr brown in the movie he gets he gets like shot in the eye or some shit like or, or he gets like blood on his eye like all over his eyes because somebody next to him has been fucking spurting blood on him so like it's very visceral in that way he crashes yeah, it's hard and then you see him with the shit in his eyes and you don't even know what's wrong visceral. but like ah, you don't want to see it you know yeah yeah um i definitely appreciate this this film like quite a bit and you know without this he's not the director we know of today oh of course not quentin yeah no um but i feel like if tarantino hadn't gone on to be if this was his only movie i think this fits very comfortably right into that like early 90s kind of new um mobster movie kind of a thing like where we're not not every movie has to be Goodfellas, but it just has to be, you know, it's, it's good enough. It's, it's uh, on a lower scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. All right. So my number 26 is again, we're going with more, well, sort of positive. This is actually secretly very depressing. Well, probably not a secret. It's a little depressing. Uh, it's a wonderful life. Uh, oh, by Frank Capra. Oh, so this is like the, I feel like the, basically the ultimate kind of uh, Christmas movie. Yeah. Uh, but like this, this movie is about a dude who he wants to kill himself because his life kind of is shit. And <laughs> bad thing. That's the movie. Yeah. 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 That is the movie. He tries to kill himself. He tries to jump off a bridge. Mm-hmm. And then there is literal divine intervention that prevents him from succeeding in killing himself. Um, yeah. And this, this is like, this movie is so interesting. Cause like, you know, again, this is like the, the Americana, the small town, yeah. the, the nice, neighborhood of people who all care for each other that's the the that's the payoff we get at the end and the stuff that just kind of makes made me cry like really fucking bad (laughs) when i saw it you know it's just so emotional and so kind of beautiful to see this this thing where everyone comes together and like where he understands how important he is um but this this movie really and i think that's why it succeeds it's like it really goes there it does not pull punches Mm -hmm. it's not like it's not cutesy or whatever, like trying to do the Disney. Disney would never do this shit. Like the, way he, like the way he talks to his kids, he gets really fucking mad at his kids. Like they really take you all the way down, all the way down. And then all the way. Before up. they bring you all the way up. Yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, I was reading something recently uh, where like there's a scenes where George Bailey's like crying. And yeah, this movie was, was made in 46. And it was like right after World War II. And James Stewart actually fought. World War Two, mm-hmm. and they were saying that there was it was really real for him because like he was, you know, I mean he had come back from a war where what 100 million people or whatever to 80 million people died, and it's just like yeah, that's some real stuff. Um, 
this film, yeah, it's just really, really beautiful to me. This is like one of those movies that kind of, I don't know, kind of gives you this sort of catharsis that recenters you, makes you understand mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. matters. I feel like that's what I like about this film. Um, and yeah, I, I think this 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 film will is just eternal in terms of its its ability to make people emote and make people feel those kind of things, which makes yeah. it just to me a super classic film. It's very it's very palatable to like a general audience um, because yeah. you could like you could you could I could see an approach at making this movie by like some other director or something where they really like dig into. It's just like a, I could see a different approach that it, it is not as uh, optimistic, maybe, um, or or that maybe spends a little more time with like what got him to that point in the first place. Um, like you wouldn't jump off. What are you going to do? Jump off a bridge? Ha! You know, you wouldn't do it. Uh, and then <laughs> in reality, I mean, like some people fucking would. Uh, so but yeah, I mean, this is one of those movies, like you said, like it's just going to it's another TV all star. It's just going to. Every Christmas, it's always playing, and I I kind of get annoyed too that it's like one of those Christmas movies that people are like it's a Christmas movie, and I'm like, yeah, but it's like really good. Like you could watch it any time. Like it doesn't have to be a Christmas tradition yeah. movie, you know? Uh, because there are some people who are just like, no, fuck you. I only watch this at Christmas, and it's like it makes me think of my family, and it's like great, that's awesome. But like I, I like to personally, I like to dive into the you know psychological stuff. But uh, yeah. it's not it's not it's not for me. Uh, it's for everyone, uh, and it succeeds. I think uh, it succeeds across the board. <laughs> Everybody can like this movie. Yeah, this is sort of like the pinnacle of the Capra. Yeah, I, I like a lot of his movies. I like a lot of his, and these sort of the the uplifting kind of narratives. But you know, yeah, I think I feel I feel like what's what's so effective is is it's not just it's not doing like the Pixar thing or whatever, where it's just like yeah, we're gonna make exactly. you cry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really really earns it and and that's hard that's you know because everyone tries right it's not like anyone tries to like do the fake manipulation mm-hmm. uh, but this film really earns that feeling that people get at the end and the reason why people watch it all the time and it's never gonna go away is that you you get you get a certain kind of feeling at the end of this movie that uh, it, it's rare to be able to get that in a in an environment where you're watching a movie where it's like safe and you're not like going through some bad shit. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like that's the only other times you maybe would feel like this is like, Oh fuck my, you know, I'm sad. And like, like most people maybe will never even live feeling something like this in a, in a, in a way that's outside of this film. Um, and so this is kind of like, that's valuable for that. Yeah. 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 It's a good point. So, yeah. That's that's what I have to say about it. It's a wonderful life. It, it, it's a really great film, and I again I love the Capra films, and I feel like this is this is the absolute peak what he was trying to do thematically as a filmmaker. Yeah, that's a really like insightful uh, kind of quick and dirty uh, recap of this movie because again it just makes every single like top ten Christmas movies list, and uh, you know everybody watches like top ten greatest American movies, top ten whatever. Um, but it, it really like stands on its own. Like it's able to be removed from that context, and it's able to just be like a a, a really affecting movie on its own. Because yeah. sometimes movies get pigeonholed that way, and it's like you know it, they're always going to just be a Christmas movie. And this is not just a Christmas. It's like you know, Man Who Shot Liberty Valance is a western, and it will always be a western. And it's like you don't have to have like a western week to watch it. You could just put it on and be like, I, you know, this is a great movie. Searchers is another one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
it's it's not like a genre thing. Yes. Well. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's one of the greats for sure. Cool. Um. Yes. Yeah. That's my number twenty six. Cool. My number twenty five is another beautiful film with a uh, depressing twist, uh, a depressing tinge to it. The depression colors this movie. <laughs> um, this is a, and hold on, let me, let me, I've tried this many times. Let me try to get it right. This is a Christoph Kislowski movie, uh, The Double Life of Veronique, a.k.a. Yeah. La Double Vie de Veronique. Um, but, uh, un, unbelievable. When you say the title of this movie to me, I think of it like I think of The Conformist. I just like, I close my eyes and I just have like, have a fucking orgasm in my brain about yeah. how beautiful this movie is. Like if you talk to fucking cinematographers, they shit their pants over this movie. This is one of the most beautiful movies. It's one of the most beautiful films ever shot. Like the, again, the cinematography in this movie and the kind of um, the color palette and kind of what he was going for. Is, is really interesting. So what, what is this movie about, I guess? Long story short, there is a girl in Poland whose name is, uh, you know, Veronica, Veronica, right? And then there's a girl in Paris named Veronique. And they are the same, they play by the same actress. And uh, Veronica, at some point in the movie, fucking dies. And Veronique feels affected by it. And you're like, mm. like, why? Like, that's weird. Um, and it's it's not so it's not a metaphysical thing. It's not a science fiction thing. The way I would describe this movie is ultimately it's about soul. It's a, but like it's about like not like uh you know like when you're playing the blues or something. It's like about like like your your soul, your human like uh whatever makes up your experiences that makes the up essence. the essence. The essence, yeah, yeah, yeah. The spirit of the thing. Um, it is so she she when when v Veronica dies, Veronique is like very, very affected. Like she is weighed upon very heavily. Um, so each one of these girls kind of have their own um, thoughts and dreams and things that they're trying to accomplish. Veronica doesn't get to accomplish those things, but Veronique does and throughout her story. And as Veronique is kind of accomplishing her dreams, she's just bitter about it. Uh, like it's just not that fulfilling. Um, I'm not going to get too far into the story because it, it it gets a little plotty and um, there's a love interest involved and all that stuff. But uh, basically, you have a girl who has everything um, and or is able to achieve everything, and then you have a girl who's just never really given that chance um, because she doesn't just he doesn't make it. Um, and I th it, I think it's really smart. They're played by the same actress, uh, but in completely different roles. Like they're kind of almost unrecognizable, um, which is you know a testament to the kind of design of this movie the set design the the makeup everything um the cinematography again is able to kind of differentiate these two areas um i don't know it's just a really 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 cool movie and it's it's really affecting and it makes you it, it's kind of a it's another one of those slow burns it's another ponderous kind of a movie a lot of this movie is just like veronique kind of fucking staring out windows or like on her bed like looking off into the distance and stuff but the way that it's shot it is so like so captivating it's like looking at a painting the entire time uh, and there's so many really cool shots of like zooming in on people's eyes and like the stuff that's reflecting in the eyes. It's almost like Citizen Kane kind of like the, the types of camera tricks they do in this movie. Um, really, really interesting movie. Uh, I can't say enough good things about it. And certainly if uh, again, if you're like a into like cinematography, this is one of the greats. Uh, and thankfully, there is a criterion uh a version of this that you can watch and it is gorgeous and it's a gorgeous film. And it's again, it's a ponderous kind of a piece, um, but it makes you like appreciate it's sort of like a wonderful life, I guess in that like Eastern European way. 
uh so it's a little more pessimistic but um yeah like instead of you know instead of getting everything that she wants she's just kind of aware of it um it, i don't know it's 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 an interesting movie i like it a lot yeah kieslowski is one of my favorites he is an absolute master there's so many films of his that i just love um the color trilogy yeah the decalogue the short film about love short film about killing like all of those are like among my favorite films of all time um and i just feel like the the level that he worked at was just so high it was so like, high it was so high like these films are all just like absolutely just just incredible just everything about him is incredible um and yeah he's a he's a total master of the craft yeah. oh yeah yeah and yeah he's he's definitely one of the guys i mean he definitely gets a lot of play in terms mm-hmm. of like being talked about mm-hmm it's hard, you know, because it's 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 hard to like when you start fucking lining people up because the names that always come first are like Wells and Hitchcock and like that, and Scorsese. Uh, but yeah, I almost feel like he doesn't get talked about enough because his his his. Work, it is that good. It is right? that good. It is that good. Yeah, it is that good. I think so. Like, I think it, he deserves to be his stuff deserves to be talked about. I think yeah. in that same context. Yeah, and yeah, it, it kind of makes me feel like I, I need to like watch you know those films that I really like again. Mm-hmm um because you can tell this guy is a master yeah master of the craft yeah and uh i mean i know he works with a lot of the same people and i don't know necessarily uh this the cinematographer like he's not a known quantity because he's a polish guy uh slavomir idzaik right he shot the three colors um movies like he shot all these movies but like the cinematography in this movie in particular with the reflections and the colors, it's just so fucking mind blowing. And it, it just, it, it's part of the, the, the form kind of meeting the function of the thing. Uh, it's part of the kind of, I, it's very ethereal. A lot of the colors that they use and a lot of the way that they shoot these scenes in the rooms with these people, it just kind of makes you feel like there's a, there's like a third presence in the room. And is it, is it, is it Veronica's soul? Is it, a kind of longing feeling like what is it and this movie like really really hits on that and it really makes you feel that stuff uh, and like you said because he's a fucking master because you don't get to that point without really understanding how the medium functions and how it elicits emotions from people um so yeah it's absolutely one of my favorite movies yeah totally. i'm definitely glad we got a chance to talk about any one of his films and just mm-hmm. kieslowski in general yeah Absolutely. You should, uh, and definitely because of the Criterion stuff, if you have Criterion channel or whatever, definitely check this one out and check out some of his other stuff. Cool. Um, all right. So yeah, so my number 25 is the, you know, another all-time super, super all-star classic, Casablanca, mm-hmm. uh, directed by Michael Curtiz. Um, this is a very interesting one. You know, the script's been talked about a lot. It's one of the great screenplays ever written. Yeah. Uh, just from a technical standpoint and the way that they distill the information and the character. Right. It's super quotable. The lines are really good. You know, like there's so many great moments. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't know if I can say <laughs> fucking Casablanca <laughs> about this movie because it's just really, really fucking good. It's just, that's just, that's it. That's that. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. It's really, really good. And you watch it. The more you watch it, you're like, man, like there's, there's so much here. There's so much subtext that they got in, in these, in certain scenes. There's so many like the things they foreshadow and like the way that just the way they do everything. And you're just like, wow, this, this is like filmmaking at the highest level. Yeah. This is right. just right, so right, right. impressive. And it's also kind of noirish. There's a whole bunch of noir kind of stuff in there. Um, no, 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 no. It's not even kind of noirish. It's very noirish in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. 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 
I, I don't think this is people really think of it as a noir. Uh, no. they probably, but you're right. You're absolutely. It's, yeah. it's 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 totally a noir film. Um, yeah. it's got it's got that stamp. Like that's right the on. that's that's what attracts me to it because I personally, you know, I don't care about romance. I don't care about like fucking uh, un unrequited love or like any of that stuff. It doesn't really do it for me. Uh, but the the kind of the the war backdrop and the kind of uh, again the way the the dark shadows the the noir presentation of it really do it for me uh and you're right i mean it is super quotable it is so well written super quotable yeah yeah i mean even like the side characters are really Mm -hmm. like the like the um you know the 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 captain uh renault and like the nazi yeah like they're they're really really interesting characters really well done characters Mm -hmm. um and this is another interesting because like this is this film was basically made by a committee like the people who wrote it, yeah, it was like true. 15 different people and like rewriting this, doing this, doing that. And it's like somehow we got this masterpiece. I know. I don't get it. Um, when I think of this movie, I, you know, like I'm like, OK, so who did who did this one? Was it was it Billy Wilder? Was it uh, who, who fucking did this one? It's like, no, it's just it's it just works. It's, I guess, able to take all of those things that all the other directors did and just make it um, kind of execute flawlessly on every single uh, aspect of that stuff. Yeah, um, and yeah, like Bogart and Bergman are just, mm-hmm. you know, they're incredible. Dude, I love right. me a good Bogart, yeah. Bogart is just like one of the greats. Yeah, oh, absolutely. One of the greats of this era, just like one of the absolute greatest of this yeah. era. But I mean, it is like, uh, like you're like, like you're like when we talked about Gone with the Wind and we, we mentioned it again this week is like, this comes from a time when the studio system was just operating at such a high level. I mean, you couldn't almost couldn't fuck something like this up. Like everybody that was working on these movies, you know, the, the writers are like career writers that are just making this thing and and everybody knows what the fuck they're doing. So, yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's kind of the advantage is that they, they, the, these studios, they employed and, you know, basically, that was their full-time job was just was the machinery to polish the stuff, to polish the stuff. Yeah. And that's why it came out as, as good as it did, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's, 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 there's a lot that could be said, but, uh, I think yeah. a lot of it has already been said. Um, yeah. Uh, Casablanca. Casablanca dude. Yeah, absolutely. Um, cool. yes, that's my number 25. Cool. Number twenty-four. I got another masterpiece for you. All right. So, so picture, picture. Be, be me. Uh, and you are twelve years old, and you are sitting in a movie theater, and you're waiting for whatever fucking movie to come on, and uh, you, you're a big fan. You, you really like that, uh, that Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie, and you're sitting in the theater, and the previews come on, and you're like, whatever, fucking don't care about previews. Uh, and you're in Romania. And and then this thing comes up. There's no kind of a preamble to it. There's no like in a world because back then they had those like movie announcers uh, <laughs> for her previews. It's like Sandra Bullock and fucking this guy. Will yeah. they find love? No, she's no. Miss Congeniality. She's this. She's that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's like, you know, preview comes on and it's just we're just immediately thrown into it. And, you, and I think it starts with a dialogue line. And it's just like, I need you to tell me, tell me you love me. And I was like, whoa, 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 this is interesting. And then it fades up and it's fucking Mary Jane. And I'm like, whoa, shit, this is fucking Spider-Man. They're, they're doing another one. And, and, you know, I think, you know, what the teaser that I'm talking about is that scene where they're in the coffee shop 
and uh, she's like, I need you to tell me if you love me. And, you know, and then we see Peter Parker and then he's just like, no, I don't. And I'm like, whoa, this is an interesting trailer. And then the fucking car start comes crashing through the window and we get that like stupid slow-mo shot of like he ducks to get her and like the tire like rides off of his face and you know and then and then they get up and then you hear the like the thump of the boom and you get that like quick yeah that that sam raimi fucking like evil dead kind of camera work and as a 12 year old sitting in this movie theater i shit my pants when i saw that teaser because that's a good ass teaser and uh it leads us into my number 24 which is spider-man 2 which is still in my opinion fucking the best superhero movie ever made i understand the achievements and the the logistical kind of towering achievement that is the avengers and that entire saga and that whole thing i i i can i would thanos all of that stuff uh, for Spider-Man 2 in a heartbeat because I have so much attachment to this movie because I like the filmmaking style. I love Sam Raimi's stuff. And I love that he was given, basically, he was given hundreds of millions of dollars to just do his thing. And this is before, obviously, the, the studio stepped in and they were like, you gotta have Venom in it. Venom you gotta in have this. Venom. And you gotta do this and you gotta do that. And he basically made a fucking New York movie uh, with all of the bells and whistles, all of the crazy camera work, and in particular, the um, unrated cut of this movie is fucking phenomenal. There's just a couple extra minutes of it in there. There's a couple extra gags, which people, you, know, you don't got to like his humor because it's just stupid, dumbass, slapstick humor. But um, there's like an extended scene of p- him in the elevator with, you know, a bit tight around the crotch, though, like that whole thing. Um, I just think, and even like uh, the, the plot of this movie, I, I like it. Uh, some people don't, but I like the idea that he just becomes so disenfranchised with being the superhero that he gives it up. And it's basically like limp dick syndrome. Like <laughs> he, he just, he, that's literally what it is. He's like, he doesn't, he just doesn't have it in him to get hard anymore, but like, it's always been him kind of a thing. And then he comes to that realization and there's that great, the great, like uh raindrops falling on my head montage where he's just like, I don't give a fuck. I'm, I'm good. I don't have to do this. Right. I don't have to do this. And then of course, you know, he has to do it because he's the hero. Like there's all of these great, stupid, like classical storytelling bits in this movie. Um, but in particular, I just really like that. It's just a big budget Sam Raimi movie. And uh, it's better than the first one, in my opinion. And it's just like, it's just so good. There's just so many memorable moments in this movie. I love it. Yeah, so- there, uh, The whole, like we were talking, I think we talked about this at another point when we talked about like the evil dead, that scene where in the, uh, in the they're in the hospital, they're trying to remove all the things and they're like, <laughs> they're laughing. And then they're yeah. Laughing. The fucking things just like and you get the POV shots of the arms and just fucking yeah. murdering people. Yeah, and like the guy's got a saw on one of the arms, like and it's just like that stuff is great. That stuff is and like they let him do that in the scene. The scene when the reactor goes wrong the first time and fucking Rosie dies or or whatever, Doc Ock's wife. Oh yeah, his wife, yeah. Yeah, and she's screaming the whole time, and you get the POV of the glass just fucking like and then you Coming see your body and there's like a reflection in. of of like someone looking at it yeah it's it's i think it's her yeah and then like you know and you don't you don't see it but then you just see her body flopping on the ground like it's intense shit <laughs> for a superhero movie it's it's really great um yeah this movie's really cuz it, it does like th- like this is a time period again this is a time period like before this is before a lot of any film this, was really good is- in the genre yeah, you know, this is still. before these movies were everything, right? 
Like this is before you could uh, within the boundaries. I mean, you're still coloring within the boundaries because it's a it's a licensed property, but you're still it's not everything. It's not like this is our one movie this year that's going to make us a billion dollars. This is one of like two or three movies probably that Sony was banking on that year. Uh, so yeah, like they 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 are able to kind of push the boundaries or like not necessarily or just do their own thing in a way like, you know, having Peter Parker just fucking decide that he's not Spider-Man for half a movie. That's a crazy thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely of a different era. Yeah. And like that whole train sequence too is really well done. It's he's fighting really him on the train when he's and fighting then, him up in the fucking sky on top of some building. And uh, it yeah. might be the 12 year old in me that, cause every time I rewatch this movie, I rewatch it as the 12 year old and I'm just giddy about it. Um, but like that scene in the, in the train where like uh, all the citizens of New York are like holding him up and stuff. And they're like, no, like you are our hero and we do love you. Like it, I get a little emotional every time um, it's very heavy handed as a as a metaphor but like you know with the, the city holding him up kind of but like i don't know it is the kind of cheesy shit that works it works on me yeah sometimes. that was in the third one they, they they go even heavier where like when he goes into the final battle he runs across and there's a fucking flag this massive flag uh that was the heavy-handed the one uh, the one where, where he like perches on the fucking flag or whatever yeah he he it's super random. Like the people are like, where's Spider-Man? And then like, they look and it literally is him landing on a thing. On he runs, yeah. it goes, yeah. it, it tracks back and you see this massive fucking flag. He stands for the flag and he flies off. Oh, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. 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 And that's it was just like, goofy. that's fucking goofy. I feel like he oh, knew, he knew like, that that was mandated and he just fucking made it goofy. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing too, is like, you know, this is like right after nine 11, like there are promo yeah, shots of true. like, him on the fucking building, and then there's a reflection yeah. of the, the 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 World Trade Center there. Uh, yeah. So that's why that stuff is in yeah. this movie, really. Like that's feels, what that stuff is about. It feels very. You're right. I yeah yeah. I, I think I felt that. Like I was aware of that probably on some level because it does feel like uh, not only is the city behind Spider-Man, but like the city is like fucking like the 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 pride and the they're very united against yes. this this villain in this movie yes yeah it, yeah it is a absolute uh 9-11 analogy allegory yeah, yeah. um which is cool and, yeah 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 uh but yeah this movie this movie like at this point there's no dark knight there's no. no even Batman Begins. It's not even that shit. No, no, there's nothing. The, 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 that's why these movies were like, the Spider-Man movies were like fucking it. At the it, it was it. And there was a lot of false starts. Um, because the only, only other thing that was like really successful was, and they all flamed out. Like they made two pretty good X-Men movies and they made the third one that was a piece of shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the year they, 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 they put their finger in the pot and they fucked up the third movie. Yeah, exactly. Blew, blew it up for, you know, like four or five years or whatever. Yeah. Well, they do the same um, thing with Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's what I'm saying. Yeah. They, 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 they fuck oh. it up and then they kind of have to reboot it and they have to reboot it again. They have to wait for, well, they get lucky that Iron Man and uh, dark Knight come out basically <laughs> that uh, are able yeah. they, they make it a little more grounded, you know? Uh, but I, I love the kind of like this movie to me, Spider-Man two is like, them just kind of flopping their dicks on the table and saying like take it or leave it like this is this is what we're doing 
kind of, you know, there's no, there's not a lot of compromises in this movie that you can kind of point at and be like, that was a studio shot. Like there's just, they do, you want to have a fucking montage where Peter Parker eats a hot dog? Sure. You know, you want to have an entire scene where Bruce Campbell heckles him about his tie? Sure. You know, like he just, whatever, uh, because the whole thing kind of just works. Um, and the scene, this is the movie that introduces the, um, uh, I, I think it's the one that introduces the the apartment building, right? The the it's land- the neighbor, yeah, the landlord, yeah, and, then, and the girl, the neighbor girl. My rent, you pay my rent. <laughs> it's just so funny. That's a character that really should have been like brought back, but they never have. I don't think, which sucks. It should no. be in the comic. Yeah. Like he should live next to these people. I but want- they, but they, they basically, you know, they they've made him pimped enough. To be honest, Peter Parker, he fucks everybody. He fucks. He's fucked everybody, every girl in the world, yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. Of course. Of course. Uh, so making another girl for him to bang is kind of like reductive, uh, redundant. But well, I, it, I did like their exactly. thing. Yeah. They, yeah. Did, they didn't go there, uh, although they could have like at any point. I mean, they kind of almost go there with the emo Peter Parker in the third part. Yeah, the emo. <laughs> I would I would love nothing more than like if you know the the Spider-Man 3 that's coming up uh which is supposed to have all of these people you know they're supposed to bring Toby back in it or whatever in whatever capacity Oh yeah yeah everyone who fucking knows but like I would love nothing more than like his reintroduction to him just be like fucking throating the uh the neighbor chick <laughs> basically <laughs> just so that's his introduction yeah, yeah. like yeah, fuck you I'm I would I would whatever I want I would, I would, I would be down to see them together. I, yeah, I, 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 I ship that as they like, say. like in the in the alternate universe is just like you can have your fucking Mary Jane, and I'm just out here in my version of New York, which is this bizarro Sam Raimi version. Of New One York. of the things I really do like is that he he there's there's a lot of stuff. I'm pretty sure in this the guy the one armed dude is. In- I think it's either this or the third one. Um, the the guy who becomes Killer Croc, or no, not Killer Croc. He's he's like he's, he becomes a crocodile man. Oh yeah, I, I think he's in this movie. I think he's he's like Peter Parker's in college and he's I like think best so. professor. Uh huh. Uh huh. He does like, that's world building. Yeah, that's that is a character down the road that we're going to see become a villain. Now that doesn't manifest because Sony fucked Spider-Man. him in the ass. Spider Man Four doesn't happen. Yeah, but he is building these things and 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 you know You're again right. the 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 astute viewer. Like, mm-hmm. who's a nerd like me is like, oh, I know yeah. who this guy is. I know what he's going to become. And I'm invested. You know, he, he he did a great job of just doing all this stuff, building this big world. Yeah. Without having to, like, you know, really do the MCU thing. The MCU yeah. thing is kind of like, yeah. you know, let me shove this down your throat. Oh, by mm-hmm. the way, there's Iron Man and there's... There's mm-hmm. Nick Fury and there's this and there's that and there's and this. Don't forget, that. there's space aliens. The space aliens are coming. <laughs> that's that's what really um uh what's his name uh Joss Whedon hated it about having to do the 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 second uh Avengers movie because right. they had to put in all these subplots. Yeah, that he was like, I don't give a fuck about that, and he's like, well, too fucking bad because I'm fucking Feige. Mm-hmm. I'm Kevin Feige and you're disposable, so you're gonna exactly. shoot this fucking scene. It's gonna be in my movie because you don't matter. The big thing matters. The big thing. So, matters, yeah. so that's what's nice about this stuff is that he's able to do it his way and not like you know because yeah I mean if, if they if they had done this today um, without doing they they if they were because they're doing MCU stuff with MCU people mm-hmm. but if they were trying to do MCU stuff with their people like it could have been. Uh, a total abortion <laughs> like yeah a total, oh my god absolutely it would have been like, terrible no been this, totally terrible. this only works as a singular as a spider-man thing because once he figures out once he latches on to like what makes what makes spider-man spider-man and then what's quirky about spider-man 
the everything else flows from that in these movies. There, there's no kind of like tonal inconsistencies yeah. uh, other than the stuff that he introduces into it. And then he makes it part of the, the Spider-Man world. Yeah. Uh, and it's not the other way around. It's not like, oh, I have to retrofit my story around these things that I have to write about or put in the movie. Like, no, everything is just like, how fucking dumb is Spider-Man? It's a fucking guy who shoots webs. So, <laughs> so yeah. yeah. So one of my favorite things uh, about this whole era was that there was a there was a moment where and there's a screenplay out there. You could, uh, I haven't read all of it, but uh, James Cameron was going to do a Spider-Man movie. Oh boy! Uh, oh yeah! And so Spider-Man was going to be Leo DiCaprio, oh, and Doc Ock was going to be on social. Oh God! <laughs> wow! But it didn't happen for whatever reason. These things always. Yeah. There's a script out there that he wrote. Um, wow! So. That's a different yeah. universe to, to very, be very, very different universe. universe. Yeah, absolutely. Very, very different universe. If there's, if Leo, man, just imagining oh Leo God. being sucked into this kind of stuff. I'm, I mean, I'm obviously glad that he's not. I mean, he's clearly doing much better work doing what he's doing, but damn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's really cool that we got what we got with, with him and mm -hmm. yeah, this stuff again, you know, just like we were talking about with the dark Knight. this is, this is why, these this things, is, as Nolan says, became the engines of commerce. This is a huge. This is like a because Spider Man One could have been like a like a one off, like a one hit wonder, like a like a basically a, a runaway success, and then they kept trying with the X. They could have kept trying with the X Men and the sequels, and they might have not pan, all panned out. But because Spider Man Two is so strong, and so many people, even people who like the first movie, think this is genuine, genuinely a better movie. Like that, the, there's no going back. I think once you once you hit nail the two, uh, and you've kind of start to plant these seeds, and you put you put in the shit with like uh, Harry turning into the new Goblin or whatever, which ends up happening in the third movie. Like you, there's kind of no going back. I think we're on the path to where we are today. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, and one of the again, one of the funny things about this movie, like the the big level stuff, is that Sony had the opportunity to buy all of Marvel, all of it. Mm -hmm. around you know the 90s uh and they only bought spider-man because they thought oh that's the only thing that's worth anything wow um yeah so you know it, it, there again there could be another universe where if they had bought everything and brought in kevin feige that sony is the thing sony that, is the king of the world right now yeah whoa yeah yeah I, I don't know what's what happened because like again the the, the main thing again it's that's why i feel like this engines of commerce a uh, quote from uh, from Nolan is so apt is that the real reason why making these movies matter for the finance guys is like if you own the toy rights and the the blank you make the little blankets for kids and you make the fucking yeah. literally diapers with you, you control the, the means of production and sale and all that stuff. Yeah, when you are able to license, yeah, put put Spider Man's face on this whatever. That's where the that's where these things fuel. Because this is almost just like advertising. It's it's an advertising campaign that is the the long run is I'm gonna sell a million toys to little kids, a million you know um, fucking Halloween costumes for the end of time for the end of time, and that IP is just super valuable. And yeah, well that's that's obviously yeah. from okay, well yeah, from the studio's perspective, that's what it is. But in in my world, what I'd like to think is that if I if I pull this, just this one movie, for example, and I put it in front of a fucking child who's been wiped, right? And they've never seen anything ever. This works very well as its own, as, as just a movie 
first and then as an engine for commerce later, I feel like. I feel like this is, I like it enough on its own merits, divorced from the fucking conversation of like, ah, superhero movies, ah, the whole circle jerk about them. Uh, I personally, this is like my kind of pick for my favorite superhero movie because it's not trying, it's not getting overcomplicated. It's starting to maybe, but like, you, you're you're in it for you you like these characters you like you probably don't like spider-man because he's you know a lot of people don't but like you like aunt may you like uh harry osborne until you don't you know you like some of these characters they're very charismatic and they're very fun um and you're not thinking in the back of your head like oh they're gonna sell that toy because it's it's like every time i watch a fucking star wars thing or like people talk about the mandalorian it's like well why did they bring back so and so so they can sell you more fucking toys like i can't i can't not think about that stuff nowadays but uh, I feel like, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I was just like, yeah, I just really li- I really like this version of Spider-Man. I really like these performances personally. Yeah. Yeah, totally. 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 Cool. All right. Spider-Man 2. Awesome. Yeah. Um, Favorites. Yeah. All right. So my number 24 is, you know, we talked about this before. Uh, the Shawshank Redemption from 94. Frank Darabont again, shot by Roger Deakins. Yep. Great cast. Um, yeah. This is just like, you know. I feel like, like me, like I feel like most people that have seen this in the in the nineties, two thousand, saw it on television, just flipping channels. You saw it and you was like, "Whoa, this is really good." Um, and yeah, it's just like a really, really incredible film. Um, everything about it, just like really the story, the way it really takes you on this 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 long journey with this character and these other characters that go through this stuff in prison, um, and sort of like the. The hopelessness but like then you know i think there's even a line it's like hope can be it's almost like hope can be can be bad because then it's it's gonna <laughs> yeah you know then you're it's, line, it's, yeah. it's it's gonna kill you even 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 more because you're you have this false sense that there's something there mm-hmm. when it's not um yeah just like the, the this film thematically just like it just works so well you know this guy who's framed for something he didn't do stuck in this horrible prison and yeah the first you know, like 20, 30 minutes of this stuff of him in prison is just fucked up. It's rough. Yeah. It's fucked up. Yeah. And, and yeah, like red even says like, you know, this isn't a fucking fairy tale basically. Mm-hmm. And they show him getting beat up by three dudes that are trying to rape him. And it's like, wow. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 That, that, that was one of those scenes where like, uh, you know, I was flipping to the channels and I was like, Whoa. I hello <laughs> what's going on here um but this is like really early like I was really young when I saw it and I was just again captivated by the way that like there's there's like a subset of these movies of these like TV all-stars like we were just talking about the departed that like they're edited in such a way and they flow in such a way that they're just so fucking entertaining to watch I don't know what it is um I don't know if it's the scenario if it's the 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 words the dialogue what they're saying all of these things working together just keeps you there you know, it's it's like instantly interesting. You don't have to like explain too much about the world. You don't have to like get into it. You get it. They're in prison. You know, you can kind of you have some kind of preconception of what that is, and you're able to just follow along. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm trying to think of like the term for it. It's like it's got this this story um, sort of momentum. Yeah, that's why I would put it. Momentum, it's sure. Yeah, it's like it's it's always moving forward. Yeah, in a way that makes you engrossed in the narrative at any yeah. point because you're like you're seeing things and you're feeling things and, you know, just thinking about like that whole storyline where, well, the part where he's like, he plays the music. Oh yeah. Plays the yeah. On the radio. And then everyone's just like, they're, they're all blown away. Cause they've never really had,
had or felt something. You know, they like, they oh, get their DJ. Yeah, <laughs> they're gonna they get that feeling like mm-hmm. that they're humans, and that's that's what's so beautiful. I think about this mm-hmm. this film. That's what it's really trying to do is humanize. Yeah, people that have been to prison, even if they're they fucking murder people or they rob people or they did whatever, even if they're like Andy and they they're innocent, really for real innocent. Mm-hmm. They're human beings, and after a certain point, you know, taking away the the hope from a human being is that's that is the ultimate that's the ultimate evil. Basically, you can do to someone mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. give them no hope of a future because, as we see in that one subplot with uh, the guy who gets out when he's super old, he's he's dead. They've killed the prison killed him. Yeah. And when he goes into the real world, he has no way of being able to, you know, connect with anyone. And so he commits suicide. Um, yeah, this this film is amazing. The ending's amazing. Like, I don't know why there's something something. I don't know why, but like uh, there's some part of my head because like, you know, I saw this as a kid and I thought, OK, whatever. But like really thinking about crawling through a fucking sewer of shit. I, don't, yeah. I forget how far they say that's yeah. fucking. I don't it's know like if I mile. could do that. It's like a mile, dude. I don't know if I could do that. And they and th- there's a scene where there's a bunch of rats. Yeah, yeah. In this fucking sewer? Well, I love the visual of like when he goes, when he finally got goes behind and you see the pipes and again, you see the rats and the fucking, the, the pipes are leaking and all this shit and all the literal shit. Yeah, it's like they they did, they create that uh, little microcosm really well to make you like, they freak you out. Yeah, it's, it's, and then like, right, there's that moment where he gets out, yeah. he crawls out of the thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so free. Yeah. Free, and I mean, free. Who, who, who cannot, yeah, who can't sympathize with that? Like, who can't identify with that moment? Like, you don't have to literally crawl through shit, but, like, in everyone's life, there's a moment that is the equivalent of that, or you can aspire yeah. to that moment. Like, that is such a universal thing to Because, like, for that character, it's, like, either get busy living or get busy dying, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, either, you either find your way out or you kill yourself. Pretty much. And for Andy, he was like, I, I'm going to get out. Yeah. And if it takes me plotting for like a decade or something. I don't know how long he's been plotting to get out. And he waits for that one moment where there's a thunderstorm so Mm -hmm. he can bash this damn thing. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's such a beautiful, beautiful narrative. Um, And it's well shot and well acted. I mean, it's a a huge achievement too. I mean, to tell a story over the course of that many years with that many characters, with that little, like, um, like uh, almost like vignettes, like different, like uh, there's kind of different uh, episodes within this one movie. Uh, it's really impressive that they were able to build all of this and make it all one movie. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we spend a lot of time in just this episodic stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, most movies, the second act is most, but this is like two hours. It's like two hours or more of just yeah. the episodic stuff of yeah. him in and prison. And, I, and I'm sure they had plenty, there was plenty that, you know, they had to cut and they had to rework or combine, but like there's, they, they found the, the, the most, riveting ones and they put them all in there yeah 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 it's it's an incredible film um and i think its popularity sort of speaks for itself like it, it's you know when this film came out it kind of got sort of buried in theaters yeah but now it's like it, it is it is absolutely one of the most of all time yeah. and this is one another one of those movies i think i said this and we talked about it on my list that like even for the quibby generation or the people who are more interested in like quick, uh, quick dopamine hits of content or social media or whatever, like you can, that narrative momentum is so strong in this movie that I think it will pull in anybody. You can show this mm-hmm. to somebody in 80 years when we have fucking chips in our brains and like we get everything in a second. Like 
there's something about the 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 way that it proceeds that is really really entertaining yeah totally um this this is like if we had to say the tv all-stars i feel like this is probably number one um, i think so yeah like the the reason why this film has a life is that people were were watching it on television on stars or hb the h when there was like the 10 hbo channels that had 10 different movies on it oh yeah 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 you know i uh, and HBO and <laughs> yeah hbo2 and hbo east or hbo yeah uh, you know HBO comedy H- hbo drama <laughs> yeah people probably saw this on hbo drama and they just couldn't yeah couldn't click away mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Could not click away um yeah so that's that's my number 24 the shawshank redemption sick wonderful well then uh let me move it right along let me take you <laughs> let me bring you back into the shit all right we've we've had too much fun uh no this is a really fun movie this is such a fun movie so entertaining my number 23 of all time is train spotting danny boyle's train spotting i fucking love this movie and of course i love this movie why wouldn't i love this movie it has a scene where the main character is literally diving into a shit crusted toilet bowl and he dives into it and then it turns into like a psychedelic thing because he's high and he goes into the bowl and then he's swimming in the toilet bowl and then he comes up out of the toilet bowl, out of his high. It's it's insane. This movie is crazy. And it's got a lot of that um, late 90s or like mid 90s kind of uh, electro house British uh, sensibility to it. Like uh, almost like a Guy Ritchie thing, sort of. Like this movie, in my opinion, Train Spotting, is very close to a Guy Ritchie or a Tarantino thing in the oh, way yeah. that. The, oh, yeah. the way the characters speak it's it's got voiceover narration so it's got a little bit of that goodfellas thing going for it it's got a cast of characters i love the way these characters are described and they're set up in particular robert carlisle's character uh was it begby who is just this fucking madman scotsman who just like his character is basically just like he cannot be fucked with and like his introduction is him just like beating ass in a bar basically and like nobody cares and he just he throws a guy off like a like a second story thing in the bar and like nobody cares um but what is this movie about it's about a bunch of drug addicts uh so already i'm in but the way that they shoot these scenes i mean danny boyle is one of the most intelligent directors out there um the way that they shoot these, they used a lot of uh, fisheye lens and a lot of like, again, a lot of those like MTV kind of mid nineties techniques to really sell you on like the mental state of these people. These people are basically mental patients. I mean, it's basically one flew over the cuckoo's nest with fucking drug addicts. I mean, it's insane. Um, and it's very quickly paced and fascinated and they're talking very fast. And then again, it's very quotable. Uh, it's fucking shite being Scottish. Like you really got to be into that kind of British uh fast moving kind of crime film almost uh attitude uh kind of feeling to 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 get into this but like once you get into it it's just a great movie and there's a lot of tragic shit that happens it's just that since the characters are so like numbed up to it like it's played off for laughs most of the time and then there's a point where they're all so knocked out on smack that like a fucking baby dies and then it's not funny anymore and then ultimately the main character um, decide uh, cho- the whole thing. Uh, the whole tagline of this movie is "Choose Life." Right? It, there's he goes on this great, epic tirade about like, you, what are you gonna do? You're gonna you know, work an office job and do this and choose to be depressed and this and that and that. He's like, no, fuck it. You know, choose life. Uh, and then he decides to get clean. And then we have this like insane. We have all these crazy sets that they build for the scenes where he's getting clean. He's going through withdrawal. Yeah. 
and he's like the baby on the ceiling. He sees the baby on the ceiling and he's like, uh, there's like a trap door in the floor and he just like fucking falls through the floor and the room, they do a lot of forced perspective stuff. And again, to make the room look bigger and make him smaller and they do all this crazy shit in this movie. Um, But I don't want to make it sound too artsy. If you haven't seen it, this movie is every step of the way. Like this is in my opinion, like a European version of like what a TV all-star looks like because there's too much content in this movie. It's like, too borderline NC-17 to be shown on American TV because they're just fucking pussies about that stuff on American TV. Yeah, yeah. But like in this is like a European all-stars movie. Uh, and it's got, you know, a star-making performance from Ewan McGregor and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of these other guys who ended up making, uh, being either being in movies like Robert Carlyle, who is in Formula 51, who we talked about at the very beginning of my list, um, and uh, Johnny Lee Miller and some of these yeah. other guys who end up getting TV. These guys are great. Ewan Bremer. You and Bremer. Um, yeah, there's, there's, yep. yeah. There's, there's a lot of like even the guy like like the parents. Yeah, uh, James Cosmo's in this. I've seen- James Cosmo's is uh, Cosmo is like one of the fucking guys. He's like in every British movie ever. Like yeah, he, Kelly McDonald. Like, Kelly McDonald. Seen her in a ton of stuff. He's, yeah, she's incredible. Uh, she, the cast is kick ass. In the kick you know, ass. Everything about this movie is kick ass. The writing, the writing in particular. I, I want to stress the the script in this is a mile a minute. The dialogue, the the quips, the cursing, the the it's it's this manic drug addict talk. And uh, it really like you hate these like these people are deplorable because all they're trying to do is they're not doing anything with their lives and they're just trying to score the next high and they'll they're, they'll do kind of anything short of, you know, murder to get it. Uh, but then, you know, they they they, they get involved with like, uh, you know, money enters the picture and that kind of ruins their friendship. And then eventually, again, our main character chooses life and he gets clean and stuff. Uh, and there is a, they did make a sequel to this that came out recently, which is, in my opinion, uh, almost just as good as this. Uh, really recommend it. But Train Spotting, as an artifact of its time, it is, I put this movie right shoulder to shoulder with Pulp Fiction and um, like Lockstock and, and Snatch. Like it's right up there with the greats. I mean, this movie is so, so fun and so entertaining. This, you're totally right. This feels exactly in that universe that milieu those films yeah uh, even yeah even reservoir dogs like they're all trying to do similar things mm-hmm. it's just taking a different approach to like you know the stuff that they that happened in the 70s and 80s where we're trying to talk about dr- drugs and drug culture and what it does to people right um this is just similar stuff but different actors but still very grungy grimy yeah 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 strong characters strong performances um yeah this film this one was another one i feel like i saw just like on television or something at some point and just was like whoa you know it yeah, just, yeah, yeah. just brings you in man you can't look away you can't look away yeah. you can't look away with these types of characters it's just like too enticing. <laughs> yeah yeah because it's you know it's like i'm never gonna live anything like this but man that, yeah. that, the thought that there's people that live anything like this it's like yeah what the fuck? and i mean and, and they go all out there i mean they do they do their own nudity they do their own fucking they, they get as close as humanly possible to actually shooting up in the movie so like they they do stuff like you can tell these are committed actors and you can tell like ewan mcgregor is as big as he is for a reason um but yeah i don't know you and uh ewan's a fan of doing the full frontal um, well, of course. I don't know yeah. if he did it in this no, one. He, but he did. He, oh, he absolutely fucking did. Are you kidding me? Uh, there's a scene in this movie where he's fucking Kelly McDonald, and uh, oh. she she did the full frontal, except she was 17, and that was a problem. 
and she didn't i mean they were all about it they didn't care but then like her parents wanted to see the movie and then her parents saw the movie and they were like is this is this illegal do we need to sue and, like it became a little bit of a problem but uh yeah and it's like what's the age of consent in the uk what's the age of mm-hmm. you like know, how when you can do this stuff blah, blah, blah. yeah um but um this is like the Gen X. This is one of those Gen X movies, the coming out party of like, we are yeah. franchised. We are like our parents, you know, fucking live through Vietnam. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, what is the sense of purpose? This, yeah. is, this is one of the, absolutely the building blocks that leads to like a fight club or something. Yeah, fight club. I was thinking fight club. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, what the fuck is our kind of place in the world? This is one of those movies. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's been a while since I've seen this movie. Um, but it's it's, oh, uh, it's so fun, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's dude, it's so fun, it's so interesting, it's so well directed. Like I remember, I forget oh. what it was, but I, I just watched that scene with uh with him and yeah, that forced perspective stuff when he's trying to get clean oh, and it, like the, the way he does the that stuff is really brilliant. It it is it is, and th- they do a lot of like old Hollywood stuff. Like they do because that's the I I did a deep dive on Danny Boyle a couple of years ago, and like I really got into his shit. And like they do a lot of old Hollywood stuff, like um, forced perspective, trap doors, like uh, fake sets, you know, all kinds of moving things around and camera and stuff. And it's really interesting. Yeah, this is a good one. It's a really good one. Cool train spotting. All right, mm-hmm. so uh, my number twenty three. We've talked about this uh, before. Uh, we're going to talk about it again. It's, you know, one of the one of the great, great, greats, uh, Citizen Kane, oh. from uh, the the Wunderkin, uh, Mr. Orson Welles. Um, yeah, so this this you know the story of this film is is gonna go on forever, and almost the, I almost feel like the story of this the... film <laughs> is so vast and so nuanced that it would encompass like eight Netflix series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can make multiple series just about yeah. like how this thing became a thing, how this thing almost even after it was shot became an unthing where people <laughs> tried to yeah. suppress it, mm-hmm. how it then became seen as the greatest film of all time and the reaction to that and just everything about it, everything, everything, everything about it is really, really crazy. But, you know, this film just does so many beautiful cinematic things so well. And I feel like, you know, at least for me, like trying to like get anywhere near making a film makes me really understand and appreciate the incredible things that they pulled off with this film even more yeah yeah where it's just like this shit's not easy it's not (laughs) it's it's not um like they're creating knowledge they're creating like uh cinematic techniques in this film Mm -hmm. that are just Mm -hmm. like absolutely incredible and like you know there's so many things that he does even just like the stuff with the blocking right yeah, like that shot of when he's a kid and he's playing on the little fucking sled outside, and, and then they we, pull we back. pulling out, and yeah, him through the window and the action in the foreground. I, yeah. I feel like that stuff, even to this day, I I don't think anyone's used that type of technique the way that he does. Not in that way. Although I did notice one shot in Mank where they do that, and I it put a smile on my face. There's one shot in that movie that I can remember pointing to, being like, eh, they did the thing, they did the deep focus, they did the thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because he just toured a four and like not just like default. Okay, you can see everything. It's a real set. Like no, that it, tells you something. Staging and everything. Yeah, about yeah. the story. It, it tells you about the characters and their, you know, basically their amount of power and agency or whatever. Right, 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 right. Um, like that to me, that's like really. I'm sure other people have done it, but he did it a lot. He did it multiple times and in multiple different scenarios. Um, that kind of stuff, like 
that's purely cinematic. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. is what film can do that other mediums can't. Like, yeah, you could do that kind of staging on in a play, but with the camera, like again, like that scene, like it starts on basically it starts on one shot of just like a, a, a one shot of this kid, and then you get this whole this whole scene play out, and it totally changes the relation that you have with this element, this character. That's something only film can. And he understood that, and they were able to totally just go wild with it. Um, like I was saying before, there's tons of stuff where it's basically the equivalent of like what Star Wars was doing, mm-hmm. like these map paintings, like that scene where it's him and uh, and he's giving the speech. That's map painting. It's not even, you know, that's basically the same as like some of the stuff they do in Star Wars. Like, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. That you was don't, the map you don't painting. Think about it. Yeah, yeah. You don't think it's just it just it just looks like mm-hmm. oh, looks whatever. Um, like that scene where the guy's looking down at him, like his uh. I guess his opponent or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing too is like th- this. This film is still very relevant. Yeah, um, it's still super relevant. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to totally go there, but like, let's just say that when in that scene when he's running, he says, "I don't have a platform, but I know that there needs to be a special prosecutor to attack my opponent, who is a <laughs> part of a political uh, mafia." Like he yeah, said. Yeah, like yeah. He said like he says that in the movie, and then there's this other great movie where they 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 um they're they're choosing like which movie headline to go with. Um, it's like either like he wins or there was like or basically there's like it was like oh um Charles Foster Kane wins the election or there's some corrupt. That's right. Shit. Or, yeah, or he doesn't lose. Something happened. Some to, corrupt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some, that was the other headline, and they were yeah. basically going to go with the oh there was some corruption and mm-hmm. uh, some tomfoolery uh that, that stuff is super relevant to our to our lives yeah you know in in in, <laughs> in 2020 and you know just like these these bigger than life figures like that's it's a real thing like these real people who just like wield tons of power and you know what are like, the machinations I, of their life i've gotten to a point when thinking about this movie and like thing in particular like what you just said with like the people who hold so much power like i, I just turn my brain off to it because i can't comprehend it like it's so far above me and like where i'm at but yeah. also when thinking about this movie, I've just kind of over the years learned to turn my brain off because if I, I lose my mind, I go insane pouring over every detail of this movie. There's so much and it's so like uh, either it's invented or it's used in a really interesting way for, again for like a thematic purpose or for to, to, to enhance the form and the and everything or to, to enhance the kind of function of the film. It's it's just so there's so much and like it just I I feel like um like uh like that Charlie Day meme of him with like all right just yeah I'm just like losing my fucking mind <laughs> trying to like keep it all in and the thing that that really blows it up for me is that they that he he's 24 when he does this dude I could barely wipe my own ass at 24 I mean it's crazy it really is crazy um I mean he you know. This is just like one of those things, right? Like you were talking about, like this is basically a bunch of Hollywood rejects. Yeah. You know, Herman Makowitz, it's, it's Orson Welles. Mm-hmm. There's all these other people that are working. RKO is kind of a mid-major studio. Yeah. They're making this thing about a guy who, you know, is a real person, but they use a different name basically to yeah. kind of shit on his life because, you know, people kind of have a thing out for him. Yeah, right. Um, and it's just one of those things. It just, just popped, popped off. Um yeah, there's 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 so made a really there. they made a really great movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and like the narrative, like the way it's told, 
it just says you like you said it says so much the fact that we never get his perspective yeah the the the, the, the um it's the anecdotes charles, yeah the charles foster king perspective we don't actually know the truth mm -hmm. we have we just see but that's what's going to happen in life all of us we're going to yeah. die and it's like oh yeah or you know lucian he was great and you know right. me and right. him we used to talk about stuff blah 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 is that really you does that really say what you would want to say about yourself but that's what's left mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. what would be left and that's the recollection of everybody else yeah yeah and it's really kind of it it, it 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 says so much in so many different ways and like yeah there's a great scene at the end when he's like looking at the snow globe or whatever and he's just like it's like what the, he just sees that he's he is living in a world full of stuff that he doesn't give a shit about. Yeah. And his life has been a total fucking waste. And so all he can do is just be mad and rage, but it's futile because the end is coming. He he didn't do the thing he wanted. He lost out on the thing he actually wanted. Um, and then we get that great shot of him in the mirror, and there's just the infinite reflection. I love that shot so much. Yeah. And there's yeah. so many. I mean, there's so many. The yeah, there's I I could go on and on and on and like bring up examples from the movie, but like yeah, it, there's so it, much. It's right. just such a such a such an achievement that uh, it's just kind of wild to think about. It's because really it, wild because it, because it is like I I think that's one of the things I said when we talked about it last week is um, it's just it still feels modern like it still feels um, like it's able to play to a modern audience like a lot of the shit that we're still doing and even this the story arc with you know watching the guys rise to fame and then uh, his wife and then or his lover. And then, well, cause I, I think he, he gets, he does have a wife and then he falls for Susan or whoever the fuck. Right. Yeah. He has a wife and then there's like the side chick who's a singer the, or whatever. The, right. That's in every fucking Scorsese biopic, every Clint Eastwood biopic. It's in every, you know, like we keep doing that and this movie did it all kind of. So That's where the, the clapping meme comes from. <laughs> that sequence where he's yeah 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 she's, yeah, yeah, she's yeah. terrible but he's fucking clapping and they have the, again the cinematography is unbelievable in this i film. know right on it's so like, many levels you could just keep going on and on and on about every aspect of this film because <laughs> it's not just that it's technically proficient and i remember even um what's his name he did it he did a track uh robert ebert did it did it did a track like a commentary track for this i haven't i haven't listened to it i really need to it's but on he's that i have yeah yeah but he said he said that this film has more like effects shots than star wars yeah i believe um that. and and it's it's small stuff it's like digging a hole to do a lo really low angle shot well everything they were doing you know? was a special effect shot yeah yeah the, i mean yeah. the movie again the movie opens up with the fucking reflection in the snow globe it's what <laughs> and then of course and then of course you know your main character dies and then again and then because uh, the, the screenplay aspect of it is is not to be downplayed because it is considered oh, to be yes. the greatest screenplay ever fucking written too. So you've got like not only do you have that and then you have to execute on that and then you match that with like exactly like it's 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 insane. It's insane. Yeah. Exactly. Not only is it a really really great story told in a way that is very different but also but for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just like, oh yeah, I'm going to do the sequence. Yeah, you know? Fuck you. Yeah, it's not a sequence because he's dead. And then we're getting perspectives of other people telling his story, which says something thematically in and of yeah. itself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but on top of that, it's still doing the film thing. It's still like it's sold out of sequence, but we're still seeing the like him as a kid, him um when he was, you know, when he was like a teenager, and then him as a young adult, and like, you know, there's that great reveal. It's like he spins around and Sorson Wells the first time we actually see yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, as, yeah. 
Kane and yeah. he's he's like starting the newspaper mm-hmm. and we get that great shot that he that he used that was done in like a an old 1920s John Ford film where he's like it's just a picture of them and then it, it uh, transitions into them into the, taking, the live action thing yeah the live action them taking a photo yeah um, yeah that was a John Ford this again this whole movie is like basically taking the John Ford and these other techniques blowing them up big time yeah um yeah, and it's just like all this stuff, just all this this stuff, the narrative and the cinematography and the techniques all used to tell the story. Yeah, it's wild. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah, many annals and annals can be written and talked about and said and about will be will be written and uh I hope that my only hope with this and it's not like Citizen Kane needs my fucking voted confidence, but like um it does I I I can see how it can get annoying when it's constantly talked about as the greatest film of all time or one of the greatest films of all time. And like you, you're kind of, if you pay attention to movies in any capacity, you've probably heard that. And that probably turns you off to some degree where you're like, I just want to like shut the fuck up about it, you know, kind of a thing. Um, but I do think it, it holds up to like, if you know, every, every like you, if you are able to watch it, you can understand why. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I think that's the thing too. Like if you understand it, if you can see what, because it's like you said, it's doing so much. It's yeah. doing so much stuff. It's, it's really efficient. It, at it's two it's hours. That's that's the thing. It's two hours. It's not like uh, it's one of the greatest films of all time. Also, it's five hours long. And so that immediately like, no, it is. It's as consumable as anything we're making these days. Yeah. And it accomplishes all of the stuff that it accomplishes. Yeah. It's really incredible. It's really, yeah. really. Um, yeah. So Citizen Kane. Yeah. It's my number we, 23. We did it. We did it. What does it say about it? I mean, that's crazy, man. How how much better are these lists going to get? We've gotten through Citizen Kane and we're only yeah. in the 20s. Yeah. Um, it, it, it gets good. You I'll know, tell you. I, yeah, go ahead. No, what, what were you going to say? Well, if, like a lot of it is, you know, you're going to see a lot of films where, you know, it's, 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 we've talked about this when we talked about Citizen Kane last time. Is XYZ better than Citizen Kane? Maybe not as a film, but yeah. like I love this film you and, know, i love that film and the, the my relation to that film and the more i consume that film the more this film speaks to me right you know like there's that stuff and that's why yeah that's why the top you know that's why the subjective kind of countdown list and thank you for helping me segue right into this uh which is the citizen kane as far as i'm concerned of action movies uh there are many more action movies and maybe they're more technically proficient and maybe they you think they're better but I think this is the best one they ever made. Uh, and I can't even say that honestly, because I know I'm wrong. I know I have John Wick on my list already. I know there are things like that. I know there's fucking movies from the sixties and seventies, but like nothing can fuck with bad boys too for me. All right. Shit just got real is uh so my number 22 is bad boys too. And uh, yeah, it deserves to be up here. It deserves to be higher in my opinion. Um, Couple things about this movie. I mean, I don't have to talk too much about it, but like that freeway chase scene and the Ferrari, boom. Um, the scene in Cuba with the Hummer where they're going through an entire fucking village. Dude, they amazing. invade Cuba. They the, the, invade Cuba and invade Cuba in this fucking movie. But like late in the, like two hours into this movie, where you've already had all of this shit 
and it just keeps giving it to you. It's kind of like the how that people say that the Dark Knight has like three or four false endings because it just keeps going and there's like set piece after set piece after set piece. This is this is the Michael Bay version of that. Like this this movie's an abundant of riches because you've got so you've got Will Smith and Martin Lawrence, right? Who we know are just a dynamic dynamic fucking duo and they're very funny and the first time we see them in this movie is at a clan rally. Automatically that's funny to me. That's very funny to me. Yeah, they're like, oh shit, it's the Negro. It's Michael Shannon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, but like really the way they say that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like when they come out, you know, and all the, all the racists are like, whoa, and they're like, ah, oh, shit. Uh, it's very, very, very funny. Um, he then he shoots his partner in the ass, and then they do the whole thing, and then the video store where they're like, yeah, you know what you did to to my ass the other night? I can't even get hard anymore, and it's broadcasting the whole store. I did an entire thing when I was in film school. I did an entire thing of uh, I took an acting, a directing actors class, and I directed two people during doing that scene. So like, I have a personal attachment to it. It's very fun for me. This movie, it's got it's got all the comedy bits I like. It's you could say it's like off color or offensive or whatever, but like I think it works for the movie because these two guys, they're fucking idiots, um, and they don't care. And it's it's placed in the early two thousands where we were all fucking idiots. But that that Reggie scene, dude. The, oh yeah, the Reggie, and then they they pay that thing off. Too. They pay that off in the in the third movie. Yeah, off, yeah. But uh, but I mean, just there is an element of uh, like Will Smith is a very uh, clean cut kind of a character i mean he's he's primarily doing family movies like he did legend of bagger vance and stupid shit like that like he was trying to be the uh he's trying to keep keep that you know we talked about this like when you're when you're will smith like after he did after he did independence day and then did men in black he became a commodity and you know the people who you know are the 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 basically the his team of people they want to make sure the commodities value is high and you know, they're like, oh, you know, if you say fuck, then, then there's going to be this many people that aren't going to want to see your movie, blah, blah. And it's like, fuck that shit. Yeah. I'm going to no. make bad boys, too. Exactly. Exactly. And I love it. And again, in that Reggie scene where there's so many memorable lines. Where it's like, you ever you ever been with a man? You want you ever sleep with a man? You want to? You know, <laughs> shit like that. <laughs> and just like, chitty, chitty, bang, bang, and, and all this stupid stuff. Uh, yeah. but, but but the I want to stress that the action sequences are more than proficient. I mean... Michael Bay is Michael Bay for a reason, and he's not making $100 million movies because he sucks at it. Uh, He's making $100 million movies because he knows exactly how to take you on that fucking ride. And I like this brand of action more than a Transformers, more than an Avengers, because it is relatively grounded. I mean, flipping Ferraris and having freeway pileups is not grounded, but it's at least it's not lasers and it's not like space invading us. It's literally undercover cops doing it. I mean, it's fucking wild, but like that makes it that elevates it for me. That makes it funnier to me <laughs> that yeah. I'm supposed to believe the two guys. And then and, and you know, they, they they play it off in the movie with the with the the Joey Pants character. Yeah. Uh, he's just like, hey, you fucking what? You did 40 bodies I got to deal with. And what? You didn't even get me the guy's name. I mean, it's. It's kind of self-aware. Yeah, Joey Pants with the woosah. Doesn't he like he? So there's 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 another thing in this where they uh, <laughs> so they 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 go to his place so that he can okay them to like he can okay them to do something and Martin something. Is <laughs> yeah, and he's just fucking licking his palms and he's just like he, he he's like hoping something. Yeah, he goes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. He starts, he starts like touching himself to like his family photos and stuff. 
It's I mean, and it and it's juvenile and it's stupid it juvenile. and it's like it's really stupid Michael Bay humor. But uh, I think it's that, fun and it works. It's fun and it works. I mean, it's yeah. combined with the again the 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 scale of some of these action sequences. Oh, dude! Is, well, isn't there one they um? I think it's is it maybe before oh before the the chase happens like there's basically a shootout at like a dealership or something like that. Oh, it's the the shootout in the crack house with the with the voodoo boys. Uh, there's that there's that great scene. There's that one of the greatest shots in like all of oh, film yeah. for me yeah. when we're doing that 360 shot through the bullet the hole. Yeah, and we're seeing the guys on the other side. They're like they're not sure where the bad boys are, and they're like you know you they they just look a certain way. The production design is done really well, and then yeah. on the other side you've got Will Smith saying like ah hey, you yeah he's like uh, he's got two guns. <laughs> Dude, that 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 is some That's cinema great. right there. Like, all you gotta give me is Will Smith dual wielding pistols, like yeah. shooting through this side, shooting through this exactly. side, and there's people on the other side. Yeah, and then he's like listening, and then he well, hears like, the guy. It, it ends on the other side, yeah, where the guy like he's listening, then he puts his eye to the hole, and then you realize the guns on the other side of the hole, and he shoots him in the fucking head. It's really, yeah. it's really cool. Uh, and then they pay that off with the joke where he's like, like, oh, what happened, huh? Oh, he dead. Yeah. He's dead. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, he, he can't tell me because you fucking shot him. You fucking shot him, yeah. What's what's his nickname for him? Like Killer Mike or like something like that? I forget it. He has a nickname for him Kill, for what? Mike. Mike Lowry. Yeah, for Mike Lowry, yeah, because yeah, he's, he's always him. killing people and shit, and he's always in that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going crazy, yeah. It's something like it's it's that that the two of them really like I mean, that dynamic. Yeah, it works. Is that's a um, that's a design by committee thing? Like when they were making the first one, they were like, "All right, we got these two guys who have their own sitcoms, basically, and like we think they would work together." And I think they just they happened. Lightning happened to strike for them because they do work really, really well. Yeah, because that's you know the first one's really before Will Smith become. What what year was did the first one come out? Ninety five. So it was like during Fresh Prince. That was yeah. That was like that's you know you talk about you talk about the perfect moment. Uh, I, I'm sure whoever made that movie wished they had assigned Will Smith longer, basically. Well, they, like, like in terms of like keeping his salary lower, like whatever he got paid on that, dude, his shit quadrupled, quintupled exactly. by the no, time he did the next. Well, one. he um he tells the story of uh, he didn't want to do the he thought that his character wouldn't do it or it looked stupid of him in that first movie running with his shirt open, right. Uh, in that like iconic shot where he's like run- chasing after a car and he's like running in slow motion or whatever. And you like, you see his fucking muscles and his like chest in his chest and everything. And he didn't want to do it. He was like adamant. He was like, my character would not be running around. This is fucking stupid. Like he's chasing a criminal. And Michael Bay was like, shut the fuck up. This, this shot is going to make you a star. And, you know, he just had to basically talk him into doing that one thing. And sure enough, it did. Um, so Sometimes things work out that way. Yeah, well, he also he also said that Spielberg had to talk him into doing uh, doing Man in Black. That's that was right. a funny. That was a funny. Yeah. He said, "No, don't use your brain. Use my brain. Just do this yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do it." You're Will Smith movie. was really like he had a lot of help. Like he was really kind of. Yeah. I mean, he was he was always the chosen one. Like you could like he had the raw talent, but he was really kind mm-hmm. of shepherded through. He, the- yeah, he really was like the right type of cuz like everything about his persona is very sellable, you know, even the yeah. the rap music without going without like cursing and shit, yeah. Yeah. Well, even like, you know, I feel like cursing is the beginning of like cursing is not the problem of the 90s rap. I mean, mm-hmm. not to say the problem, but that's what made it cool, but like yeah. the drugs and the sex and, and the sex the, and the, I fucked and this the, bitch and I fucked yeah. that bitch. And yeah. that's dude, that's what rap that's why that's why rap's the biggest, you know, one of the biggest genres of music today. It's like it's just palpable that 
that's real. People want to, people want to be a part of that kind of culture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, just all of that stuff about him made him more of a sellable commodity. Yeah. He's, he's, he's a lot, he's uh, not squeaky clean, but he's a lot cleaner. And I think, uh, but, but, you know, mm-hmm. but anyways, the, the point is we get to bad boys too. Will Smith's at the, t- at the height of his powers. Martin Lawrence is at the height of his powers. This motherfucker turned after the first bad boys movie. He was turning. I mean, he was making really, really good shit, dude. I mean, fucking life and blue streak and all of those movies, like really, really, really good stuff. Um, shout out to big mama's house. I mean, <laughs> you know, so like these dude, guys, that was, a, that was a franchise, man, cultural, culturally very important. He, he, yeah. But, like you say, he really had like, he had some, some, some powers, some real, yeah. some play in Hollywood, you know? Yeah. And they both did. And so, and, and with, with the Michael Bay, with the action sequences and with the going above and beyond, like this movie really doesn't need that extra half an hour of assault, like raiding Cuba, but they fucking did it. And uh, it's it's amazing. Yeah, just the Hummers going through the shanty town. Yeah. Just like, wow. You should go, go back and watch a clip of that. It's insane. Um, so yeah, I, for, for all of these reasons and many more bad. Yeah. The, the set pieces in this movie are really, really, really impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, There's like, like even like in that chase scene, like there's fucking dead bodies falling off the car. Yeah. Oh, it's it's crazy, dude. It's insane. Because the scene starts with like them in a shootout. There's like an entire shootout leading up to that chasing and then yeah. they get in the car and then, then we go yeah that's what i was thinking of yeah they're they're like a shootout basically in downtown miami they're in a shootout yeah. the yeah. guys are getting a car or whatever they they steal some car whatever the mm-hmm. lowry and what's his name and then they're chasing after these guys on a yeah well, no, it was uh it was it was mike's ferrari or porsche mike's ferrari, yeah it was <laughs> ferrari gets it was shut up yeah right <laughs> So it, it it the the comedy is like always there, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it just it all works for me. I like well, yeah, I like, yeah, like a fucking Uzi, and you're like, and you like shoot like, outside the window. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bad no bad boys too. Bad boys too. When you got the the big dicks, the big yeah. dick energy of like, yeah. okay, I got I got these, I got Will Smith, mm. I got Martin Lawrence, I got a huge budget. I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna show you what I can. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we haven't even talked about like the villain in this movie. He's so fucking great in this movie. The the just like the pissed off uh, uh, Cuban guy uh, or Spanish guy, I think. Anyways, it's it's all good. So yeah, bad boys too. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot. Even uh, what's your name? Ga- is it Gabriel Union? Yeah, yeah, Gabriel. That that whole subplot is also because like it's interesting. He's 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 uh, Mike Lowry is like dating her, and he doesn't and and he they don't want to like tell. It. Yeah, and it but and it like sort of ties into the whole thematic thing of like their partnership and like will it uh, are you know can it stay to, can they stay together? Are they really bad boys for life or whatever? But they yeah, do have that yeah. line in this movie: the the we ride together, we die together, bad boys for life. And mm-hmm. it's just like yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was before yeah. the Fast and Furious did the whole family thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really, it is. And yeah, you know, yeah, just like like you know, Michael Bay is a simple man. Like, just just give us some bikinis, some, yep. some strippers, some action scenes, some, some uh, shitty jokes. Yeah, shitty joke like that. <laughs> yeah, and this That's- is the one where like the 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 women are really hot. Yeah, the action's really good, and the jokes are actually good. Some of the jokes are really funny. Uh, Ron Shelton actually is one of the writers on this script, and you can kind of tell like they had some talent in it. So yeah, yeah, cool. Bad Boys Two, Bad Boys Two is fun. Mm-hmm. What a crazy. Okay, so my number twenty-two is Psycho from Alfred Hitchcock. This is my favorite Hitchcock movie. Uh, this movie, wow. um, cool. 
Yeah, this movie, there's there's a lot about this movie that I, I think is really cool. Um, so first off, like this movie is, I don't know if there was any Hollywood movie on this level where you kill the protagonist. Right. Like a third of the way into the movie. Uh, and it's like, what? I remember well, that surprised me. Uh, yeah. I saw this movie like a lot later. Like I saw it probably after Reservoir Dogs and shit like that. Like I was, I was like, ah, it's an old movie. What can it possibly do? And I was like, whoa, that's surprising. This movie is also basically the first real slasher. This mm-hmm. is pretty much mm-hmm. a slasher movie. The villain in this movie goes around chopping people up. Yeah, it's also kind of a plot twist movie, right? Because like the whole time you think the mom is just this yeah. person who's killing people. And it turns out he is the mom, and then they give us this whole expositionary kind of thing explaining it from the, the psychological the psychology of it. Yeah, that psychology of trust me, that was very, very surprising to me. I like this is not where I was expecting to find that stuff. I was expecting to find this stuff in like a David Fincher movie and not necessarily in a movie from 1960. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's really why he was interested in this. There's, again, you know, the stuff you like, the psychosexual stuff. Yeah, yeah him yeah. looking at her and like, like, okay, this is a movie from 1960 that has this dude jacking off while he's watching someone. Like, that's that's, that's, yeah, that's what's yeah. happening. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. And, and he's jacking off, and then that that triggers the mom side of him, so then he kills her. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's the movie that they're showing us in 1960. And then he goes into this woman's bathroom and fucking stabs her to death in one of the greatest scenes in cinema history of this 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 killing well, uh, in, in the yeah. shower. Yeah. Well, we've already talked about Hitchcock and how, like, but that's that's the reason that this movie is so regarded is that like he doesn't need to show you the shit he knows he knows enough I mean he knows how to structure a movie so that he doesn't need like the train going into the tunnel we talked about that like he doesn't need to show you the fucking guy beating off or whatever that's that's a separate like that's its own genre of movie now right uh, of the degenerate psycho killer but this is a lot more subdued because it had to be and that makes it even scarier just just the voyeurism was yeah. enough to implant in people's head exactly. oh exactly this guy's yeah. nasty people are uh, the audiences aren't that dumb like they pick up on that and anthony perkins this is one of the great performances of all time absolutely of all time all time yeah. he's kind of an underrated guy um he is. i don't i don't know why he kind of like he should have been in more shit i think he made some bad choices and also i think he was like insane but uh I, I I like some of the B movies that he ended up doing later in his career, like some real he made some real garbage uh, that I like. But um, yeah, I I think he could have been like on the classic Hollywood. Uh, he could have he could have hung out in there for a while. Yeah, I you know the other thing too is this is the type of movie where you could typecast, right? Yeah, this is the you type of movie. This is the type of movie where it's also kind of like you're doing a weird like like it's a weird role and it's hard to like kind of go up from from that um i really like him in the trial another orson welles film mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i feel like that that's the other film because like you know orson welles got it like oh this guy's fucking talented yeah i'm not gonna pigeonhole him as like the weirdo dude in the corner you know mm-hmm. uh but yeah orson welles is working outside the system because the system can only see what's in front of them and they're like well audiences are gonna see this guy and they're not gonna take him seriously they're just gonna think about him killing his fucking girl or whatever they're gonna think of him in that dress yeah uh, exactly. in psycho but yeah, I, I love this this film. Um, it's definitely my favorite. It's it's probably basically my favorite horror film, I'd say. Um, cool. And I, I just think that it's it's pretty pretty interesting. Like it's interesting that this is this is basically really his. You know, he did other horror films like The Birds and stuff like that. Um, but this to me really kind of is emblematic of his thematic kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give you know. Okay, why is the person killing people? Because they have this psychosexual hangup that's been just sitting there, and we are just there to 
to we just by happenstance you know the thing that he loves the most right is like just because she couldn't see shit on a rainy night and she had just stolen some money exactly she goes there this guy gets a boner and yeah that's why we discover that's why we discover his psychosexual craziness Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, he could have just been there for who knows how long, being just the little guy in the corner, dead mother's body in exactly. the fucking basement. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love this movie. I really love it. So. No, same. Uh, I, I feel the same way. I don't, uh, I as a horror movie, probably because uh, my palate has been ruined by watching all of the extreme bullshit that I watch. Um, and, and some of the other, again, some of the other psycho, psycho crazy stuff that, uh, I go after it's, it does still feel a little tame, I guess. For oh, it's me. super tame. But, but that's just because tame, I, yeah. I put my expectations on it. If I remove those, this is absolutely one of the greatest fucking movies ever made. Yeah. Um, and in particular that scene when he's talking to her and you see the fucking stuffed animal on the wall, I mean, the birds, like, yeah. Yeah, the birds, looming or, down. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, it's really good shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, that's it, that's just Hitchcock for you, right? So yeah. Bernard Herrmann did the score for this. Right? Yes. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. Fucking incredible. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is also like like one you know it has a really some really good jump scares too. Actually, it does. Like when when the dude the the detective shows up and then she just fucking comes well he just comes out and just like stabs him and then he does that really cool like rear projection of him falling down mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just really cool shit just really you know he's just he's just one of the most brilliant brilliant cinematic minds yeah hitchcock is is the well that all of the stuff that i personally adore uh comes from is 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 that is that idea that that scenario based thing of like happenstance oh what's gonna happen next and it's the reason that we have those horror movies still that uh people in the theaters are screaming like ah she's behind the door bitch what are you doing oh my god you know we're like the audience is told more than the character knows and then we're able to freak out about it kind of um i love that stuff yeah yeah cool all right we're we're we, doing it we did it wow we made it huh yeah so we're at 21 21 21 is another one that should have been in in any other world would be in my top 10 um and it's certainly enhanced by my experience with watching it over and over again as a kid but uh <laughs> There's just too many, too many other movies I want to talk about that uh, I like. But uh, number twenty-one is Training Day. It's just, yeah, I can't. I can't say right. Yeah, I can't say enough about this movie. Uh, I'm exhausted right now, but I'm going to try to uh, summon every little ounce of passion I have when talking about Training Day. So, first of all, it's an LA movie, and I fucking love LA movies. And it's an LA movie in that um, it really nails the kind of the different uh subsections of the like i guess you could call it the underworld but it's like really all the different gangs um you've got the cholos they're they're represented in this you've got a lot of different black gangs represented in this um bloods and crips and other bloods and crips right which are very real things which is kind of scary to put in a movie (laughs) I mean, really, if you think about it, like it's yeah, kind of it scary to do that, especially for someone like for Warner Brothers or New Line Cinema or whatever, whoever the fuck this was made for. I think it was New Line. Um, but it's it, it, there's a couple strokes of genius when it comes to developing this movie. You've got this script from this guy who is an L.A. resident and he's been in gangs and whatever. David Ayer, right? He's a Hispanic guy. And then um, 
who who are you gonna this is great but who is gonna make this fucking movie who are you gonna give this you're gonna give this to some old white guy like it doesn't <laughs> how are you gonna sign out okay so the black detective is showing this white cop and there's all this racial stuff in the movie and like well, how are you gonna do it uh and then finally they hire antoine fuqua who uh, did the replacement killers which is a f- great fucking movie um but an action movie and really antoine fuqua's people like he he kind of gets pigeonholed as the training day guy but really what he does is he just makes shitty action movies like it's a delight to me when he went back and he made olympus has fallen and magnificent seven i was like yeah this is the shit that he's trying to do and then when he made southpaw you know with jake gyllenhaal i'm like yeah it's good but like maybe not your strongest strong suit but i think the stars align for training day so perfectly because he's he also has that that uh that uh sensibility that knowledge of like you know the inner workings of the the underworld and the gang life and he's able to go to these neighborhoods and personally liaise with some of the people in the neighborhood and say hey we're going to shoot a movie here we're not going to depict it in a weird way because that was kind of that's kind of the fear is just like well fuck you motherfucker we made it out of the 90s and you saw the all the shit that like menace to society and all those movies like we're kind of we want to kind of change the image you know of compton in some of these places and he was like we're going to do it classy and we're going to show it legit and whatever and he did and he, he kept his word and so they but they were able to shoot in in uh, real locations and all the extras are real fucking gang members that uh, have probably murdered people right uh but they're all kind of everybody's coming together to make this greater thing um so i like that about it i like the authenticity about it uh a training day and then the plot is just incredible i mean it's it's a, it's a simple premise again and it takes place over the course of a single day which i'm always a sucker for that shit for that kind of device in a movie where like here we are at the beginning of the day and then by the time the day is over everything's completely changed i like that idea a lot um and I like that they put um, Snoop Dogg in a prominent role. They put Dr. Dre in a prominent role. And they, a couple of these other like heavy hitters are in this movie. Scott Glenn has an incredible like monologue in this movie. Um, and so we basically just follow Jake Hoyt. Uh, and uh, I forget what Denzel's character's name is. Um, I don't have it in front of me. But uh, we just basically he's training the rookie. And it's kind of pertinent because he's a filthy cop and uh he's training this guy and how like this guy's really green and he's like we're gonna go get the bad guys right chief and he's like smoke some of this fucking crack with me yeah yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) like if you don't take a hit of this then we can't be friends kind of a thing yeah Uh, so there's a lot i could say about this movie but i fucking love it yeah there there's a lot that can be said um it's you know denzel's denzel man Denzel's a fucking force of nature. Yeah. He is something else. Ethan Hawke is great. You know, that's, that's, you got to be good to be able to play across from this Denzel. Yeah. Yeah. Who's really, who's really like a force. Yeah. I mean, that's why this movie is, I mean, there's, there's some other stuff, but I really feel like it's the Denzel performance. Yeah. And and the the Denzel in this type of, Mm -hmm. because he, you know, he, he commits to it. He commits to the character. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Um yeah, one of my one of my one of my favorite scenes is like when when he leaves him at the at that place with the uh with the Mexican gangsters. Yeah and he, re- and he realizes he he left and it's like left. And then the guy says, Hey man, you ever had your shit pushed in? It's like yeah. what the your shit pushed in, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's a David Ayer line. I mean uh, it, yeah. it just screams that is a David Ayer line. <laughs> What I love too is like they, they then they they like when they play that shit on TV they 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 censored that shit. Oh, they censored the fuck out yeah. of me. I'm so it's, glad I, I I didn't catch this on TV. This is another one of those like TV all stars where like it, it kind of pu- pulls you in 
Um, but I saw this, it, I was a kid in Romania and my grandfather had some DVDs and this was one of them for some reason. And it was one of the like two or three DVDs that we had. And so training day got played in, on my computer every single day. Yeah. I had a DVD drive. I was one of the lucky kids with a DVD yeah. drive. every single day I watched this movie. And so it, it kind of s- s- planted the seed for my love for these kind of odyssey type movies of these two characters going through a day, the course of a day and like learning shit basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, planted the seed for like the 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 location based movie, the LA movie. Yeah, um, I really love the the execution of this movie and the kind of just the Denzel performance is so you cannot look away. You cannot look away from from him in this movie. Yeah, and the end of it, just you know, King Kong ain't got shit on me. Yeah, yeah. it's great. It's yeah. great, 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 great. Yeah, yeah. and he's the uh, uh, it's it's pretty quotable. I mean, uh, does she have a liquor license? What? A lick her le- license. Is she a dyke, a lesbian? <laughs> I mean, right? Like these are the types of things that, like, in the first ten minutes of the movie, you're like, "Oh, this guy's kind of a piece of shit, isn't he?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's really smart the way it plants those seeds. So yeah, uh, totally, totally. Definitely one of my favorites. Cool. All right. So my number twenty one. Uh, needs no introduction. It's Pulp Fiction. Um, wow okay yeah. we're bringing out the big guns already yeah we're bringing out the big guns already. all right so pulp fiction is definitely another one of those movies i saw it on tv i saw um yeah i'm pretty sure at some point i like saw the whole the whole thing from beginning i'm sure that at some point i watched it like in the middle but like yeah just like from the beginning right from that opening scene it's the two of them talking garcon coffee garcon means boy it's like what um and and just like they're just fast talking, talking, talking. It's like, yeah, man, we kind of stuck up, blah blah blah, and like like the way that they're talking. And dude, the music in this movie, the lines in this movie, there there's a lot. There's I was just thinking about some the other day, like when they when he's when we get to that that whole sequence when when uh, Vincent's getting the drugs, and he says, um, "Am I an Inglewood?" He says something before that. Yeah, <laughs> but, but like yeah. But like talking about the quality of his drugs and shit, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and just mm-hmm. just just everything about the way these stories flow together is—it's just like magical, man. It's magical, and I—I I remember. So the first time I ever saw this movie, I remember just feeling like, "Oh my god, I must have more of this universe. Right. I have to. I have to. I I want more because mm-hmm. you it, it leaves you you know you know what happens next, yeah. right? You know what what is the the conclusion of the story." Uh, in terms of like temporally, mm-hmm. but the way you're left at the end of this film, it's really great because you want more story. Yeah, you want more from this world. You want or, more or, of these characters. Or yeah, something. you want more. That you want to just hang out in this world a little bit longer. Like you just want to. It doesn't really matter if it leads anywhere, which is part of the point of the movie. I would I would argue, uh, but like, you just want to hang out with these people. Yeah, just every every one of these little vignettes is just so cool and interesting um and like you know this this is it this is the pinnacle of what tarantino is trying to do with the music and like you know like you know when when they they go to jack rabbit slims and it's this super it's 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 basically if tarantino created a restaurant that's it's what it is exactly what it was it's like uh that's what, what planet hollywood failed to be <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah exactly um and then you know they come home and he's like he, he's, he's like okay i can't 
try to fuck this chick because it's going to get me killed or whatever. And she's jerk off. And that's all you're going to, that's all you're going to do. And she's like playing this music and she's dancing. And like, again, every song you're just like, yeah, dude, I got to listen to the song, the song that they're dancing to. Right. Yeah. The Chuck Chuck Berry song. It's like, it's like everything, everything he's doing is just making me want more, you know, Mm -hmm. everything about it. it, It's just like pop culture gold. Yes. Yes. Because you're getting all these things that are like, like, is there a, like, like when you watch this movie, what time period do you feel like in it? Is this the seventies? Is this the eighties? Is this the nineties? Is this all of it together? He creates his own world. He creates a world Mm -hmm. that exists outside of time. It's just this, this continuum of pop culture that just exists because Tarantino creates it. Because he takes everything he likes from every moment and he puts it in just the right spot to hit you. Yeah. In Tarantino's world, every, every human being on the planet is as passionate about these shitty movies as he is, or is as passionate about these old songs or is as passionate about this time period as he is. Right. Cause everybody in this movie is constantly talking about like, yeah, you know, this serial and the, or this, this movie that I saw or this fucking song or no, that wasn't him. That was the other guy. He was the guy who played in that one band. And like, everyone is just so obsessed with all this pop culture stuff. And I think in his mind, he would like it, his ideal world which he creates in this movie is everybody's into that shit. And uh, like the, um, I love that, that conversation that Butch has with this cab driver, you know, about yeah, like, about killing, uh, yeah. my, name, my name's Esmeralda, you know, and it means this, what is your Esmeralda name? Esmeralda Villalobos. Villalobos. Right, right, right. And what was your name? He's like, I'm American, honey. Our names don't mean shit. Yeah, dude. I, lo- I love that. Cause like the way that he delivered that line, like, what is your name? Yeah. My name's Butch. He literally says it like that. It's so amazing. And he's shooting it with like a rear projecting. So yeah. it's just, it's just so it's cool. It's like a 1940s scene. Like it just ripped out of a different movie and you're like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. But it's super cinematic and it's like, you know, there's a feeling to it. Um, dude, it's just, it's just, it's just so everything about it's cool. And, the, and, and that whole sequence starts from this, this story, right? Where it's him as a kid, and then and then fucking oh, fucking wow. Christopher Walken with that with that yeah. that that monologue or whatever. Yeah, he's like well, the watch held it up my ass, and he just you're kills it. And he's watching fucking cartoons and shit, and mm. it's just like he kills it. Yeah, he kills it. Um, yeah, there every every piece of this thing is just like it, each one of them in and of themselves is almost like a perfect story. Yeah. But we're getting the best part. Like we get all of these amazing payoffs of all these stories. And then we get all of the best parts of all these stories put into one film. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, and you know, just like the stuff with Butch and then he like, you know, that, that whole thing is so great. And like, you see, he has this problem with Vincent calls him Palooka, which is, yeah. he basically he's the guy who's going to throw a fight. Mm-hmm. He keys his car. He then sneaks back into his house, sees him, kills him because of the fucking toaster, because he's got a pop tart, a goddamn mm-hmm. oven. Yep. And then he fucking he's driving. He's he's he he gets the watch. He's driving away. That and who is, does he see? That's my favorite motherfucker. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> runs him over, runs over Kathy Griffin, hits Kathy Griffin. Yeah. Yep. And then they get into this long thing. Um, it just keeps and then, going. Like that's by far my favorite story in the whole film because it yeah. just keeps fucking devolving until we end up with like a sweaty, sticky gimp. Dude, like, and then and then we like the fact that it then goes into the the like Nazi sex deprived <laughs> yeah. like the fuck 
Yeah, 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 yeah. It goes there, and he's like, "Eeny, meeny, miny, mo, who we're gonna fuck?" Right, right. <laughs> and he's like using all this like racist shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Catch, not catch, not, catch something not, else. Not the tiger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not, <laughs> not the tiger. No, it's it's brilliant. I mean, I love that it. I just love that it it goes there, and it all kind of works. I mean, and uh, you know me, like I wouldn't, I, I love nothing more than the idea of these dudes getting fucked in the ass in a basement. Like that's, 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 that's like home field advantage for me, <laughs> but like it's somehow you're able to flow into these situations and out of them again, and then back into them again throughout this entire film. Yeah. Yeah. What I, what I love too, is that like, you know, he, he, he thinks the way, okay. What's the payoff to that scene, right? um so he's in it's so fucking brilliant so they're in this uh you know they're they're in a what what a pawn shop right yeah and so the walls are full of shit right right it's like choose your b movie weapon Mm -hmm. that's literally what happens i'm pretty sure i saw a chainsaw on there there's a chainsaw like it's it's so perfect he i think he picks it up he i think he picks up a bat he picks up the chainsaw yeah and then he sees the katana he's like i have to use time right and it's just like it's so amazing because like that's that that's like it's this is this this movie is basically an elevated b right it is is the every single one of his movies is an elevated b movie yeah this one in particular though yeah feels like the the like the highest you could ever elevate possibly yeah yeah maybe something will outdo it but this is the elevated yeah yeah, right drugs sex crazy shit yeah and then you know i feel like that just sums up the whole thing it's like choose your it's like it's like a fucking video game it's choose like your a weapon, weapon. Yeah. and it's just like uh, yeah and i have the same i, I want the katana mm-hmm. i want to kill someone with a fucking katana yeah and i mean you don't need to sell me any more on why these people need to get chopped up any one of these weapons will do <laughs> you know like i just want to see fucking blood on the walls and then and then the conversation that they have after he kills the guy with the katana and he's like are we okay like nah, man, nah, we're man. pretty far, fucking far, pretty from fucking okay. far from okay. <laughs> and then he goes and is like, like I'm about to get some hard hitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll work on the homes here with a pair of plies and a blowtorch. You hear me talking, here, Billy boy? I'm gonna go medieval on your ass. <laughs> He's like, uh, I'm talking about like you know, I fucked you over on a bet. Oh, oh, that. Yeah, we cool. There is no me and you. Mm-hmm. You lost your LA privileges, which is yeah. like a whole nother thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> the whole that whole like LA privileges shit, mm-hmm. um, which is probably a real thing. He's like, like you, and basically like, okay, I'm gonna get out of town. You'll never see me again. And then you know he gets on the chopper, that, and yeah. then goes, goes 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 yeah goes to his wife. He's like, come on, baby, we gotta go, we gotta go. What happened to my Honda? <laughs> I had to crash your Honda, baby. Oh no, well, what is this? It's it's whose well, motorcycle is this? Zed. Well, who, who, who is Zed? Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. Yeah, that's, and that's that is the that is the that is the um the temporal end of the movie. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> that's the last line. But that's Zed's such dead. a shitty like seventies black exploitation movie line. Zed's dead, baby. Zed's dead. Like that's something you would see in like a grindhouse fucking movie from the seventies or something like that. Uh, and like you said, I mean, it's 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 brilliant. It's 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 a very very high brow. It's a high brow low brow movie. I don't know. <laughs> it's just the writing is so good that it just elevates yeah. all of it. It's just so good, and the you know really the the fact that all of these they're just so palpable, right? Like the yeah. the pure cinematic interest that we have, and all oh, just like all right, just all of them are so good. The thing with the drugs, where she takes his drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's, he's fucking driving <laughs> to, to get to his drug dealer. 
and you know they 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 have to you know insert the fucking thing into her the adrenaline so she doesn't die yeah 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 every single one of these stories is just pure cinematic gold yeah well it's 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 weird the the last thing i think i want to touch on this movie is that as a filmmaker or as a student of film who's like really steeped into the classical kind of uh the classical approach or like you're really studying john ford and you're studying story structure and all this stuff why does this movie work because on paper it doesn't work it shouldn't work at all there's no there's no uh there is a beginning, middle, and end, but it's like it's, it's fucking, out of order. It's shuffled, so that's <clears throat> weird. Um, nothing really happens most of the time. It's just people going off on non sequiturs. <laughs> like, why is that entertaining? Why? Why can I watch the Jackrabbit Slim like scene and be entertained? Because it's just people talking about bullshit for twenty minutes. Like, it, it just it, it makes no sense from like a constructionist point of view. And and that's I think the that's what makes this movie people keep bring coming yeah. back to it because even people who are not privy to the B movie stuff or to any of the like movie making magic that goes on behind the scenes they find it entertaining and they don't have to be explained why it's entertaining it just is entertaining um, so like again as a student of film you have to like you rack your brain and you're like why the fuck does this work it shouldn't work yeah so I think people have given so I'll give you like uh, what I think is the actual reason and then i'll give the 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 uh the analytic um yeah the analytic reason so the actual reason is that there's one true rule in making in filmmaking in any type of entertainment one true rule do not be boring right that's the rule this film is anything but boring it's also very quotable right like i just reeled off that whole sequence with him and bush and it's just it's just like it's just it sticks in your head um that's what entertainment is about and as long as you're doing that you're succeeding Mm-hmm. Um, and it does that. Look, everything from the beginning, you know, to like any of you fucking pigs, you know, like like that shit is memorable. Any of you motherfucking pricks move, you know, <laughs> yeah. get every last motherfucking I one. Of you. And then they, and then the like the hard cut, hard cut, to frame, the freeze, Lou. yeah, the yeah. freeze frame to like that. Whatever, what was that? The Beach Boys or some shit? No, it was, it was a, is a surf rock song. That surf rock song, and then yeah. it, and then it just like you know, it's like again, it's like that. Yeah, it's another musical interlude leading us into these these two gangsters right, about right, to kill right. someone. Yeah, yeah. But they don't um, do they don't do shit. They're just talking about burgers. They're talking about burgers. Yeah, <laughs> they're talking yeah. about burgers. Um, but yeah, I think I think the the high level reason is like there. It does a lot of things cinematically that work. Like thinking about that scene and how it then transitions into these guys with the gangsters. It's just like a perfect flow. It, it that that scene brings you right into what this film's about. It's about right. people talking. It's about people, these quips. It's about very memorable stuff. It's about these basically degenerate thieves, murderers, whatever. Um, but it's pulling back on that. Like at first, all we see is a couple. And it's like, she, you know, she's hella fake. And she's like, oh, thank you for the coffee. And she's about to fucking rob these people blind. Right, 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 that, right. That's what the film's really about. It's like, clo- like start on a close-up of a person. And then once you get into the white shot, you realize they're murderous crazy psychopathic people mm-hmm. that's what the film is and that's what happens throughout the whole film is like the more we peel back the more we see they're part of this degenerate underworld um but you get interested from the jump in these understanding these people the conversations right mm-hmm. like that's why that works that's why the scene with vincent and uh jules works when they go and they kill these people mm-hmm. and he's just fucking like this is some of the best writing ever right yeah, yeah, like, yeah, this, yeah. this dialogue like the like the speech he gives like when he's killing them like some of the best shit ever oh, oh yeah absolutely some, this is some of the best shit ever yeah. like when you're that good it's gonna be good it's I, I, yeah. 
I, I think just real quick, the the analytic, like what's actually, I think the, the thing that's happening is the way that we end with the, the Jules situation. He's the only character that really changes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he does change. And we end with him saying, I'm going to give up this gangster life and move on. Yeah. And we see him move on and then it comes full circle. Mm-hmm. Right. Because, and he is, as he says, in another world, I would have just killed you motherfuckers. Just boom, like that. I would just killed you. And I would have not thought twice, but this thing happened with me in the situation where I should have died. And it's making me rethink uh, if I should even be doing this. And we see, you know, earlier we see the jewel uh, that Vincent gets killed. Yeah. So maybe that kind of, it kind of justifies. The There's a little bit of a th- thematic thing there. Yeah. 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 Cause Vincent gets killed and yeah. we don't see jewels anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I get. I guess that's the thing that works. I guess, but I don't know if they really thought about it that way. It's I don't think it's a series. Did. No, um, it's just a the, series of interesting stories. Yeah, the last time I I looked into it is um they for the longest time that wasn't the 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 bookend of the movie. They they were gonna use a different scene. I think they were gonna use the butch scene probably. But uh yeah no it's it, I mean that was that was more or less rhetorical the 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 whole thing. But like I can see, I guess if you are someone like a Tarantino that is such a student of all types of films and is not snotty or snobby about it. And it's not just like, I will only study the really high class types of filmmakers. I will study all films. I love them all equally. Everything from a fucking Foxy Brown to a, you know, Jean Renoir film, all of it. And then you understand you you can't help but write a thing that is good and entertaining because you you kind of just get it. And I think that's probably that's my hypothesis, at least as to why he is as successful as he is, because he just really wears his influences on his sleeve. Yeah. And um, it's interesting that he hasn't been too corrupted or rather you could say he hasn't really been corrupted at all by like Hollywood power. It's like because, you know, they, they keep trying to get him to make these fucking they tried. They offered him Star Wars at some point and they keep offering him shit. Uh, yeah, that was a thing. Uh, and he's just like, I, I, I'm not interested. Like he could have, he could become, you know, I mean, he already has become, but like he could be like one of another great or uh, one of the great money-making directors or whatever. Like he could be a Spielberg if he wanted to, but he really doesn't care to. So I think that makes him also an interesting character. Yeah. He's kind of, this is, this is his universe, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's the end, but then he gets to be the God of the B movies. He gets to be the B movie, you know, Adonis. And so yeah. I feel like that's what he wants, right? Yeah. He likes to play with no. his toys. I mean, he could have sidestepped like uh, all the heartache, for example, with the Weinstein Company and the Disney and the Hateful Eight and stuff like that. Like he's not he's not always going to have the world at his fingertips. Like he's not going to be able to ever thwart a Disney unless he joins the machine and he works with Disney or something. But he likes to just play with his fucking food. He likes to do what he does. Yeah. Yeah. And really, you know, um, he's a purist. He's a film purist. He's, he's about purist. cinema. He's yeah. about he's about film. The, the he still he film still shoots stock. everything in film. Yeah. He's about that and he's not about this other stuff and he wants things to be exhibited and distributed on film. Yeah. And that's that stuff is basically gone now. Dude, I still I think I told you this. I still I weep. My soul weeps that um the the week that Robert Forster died last year. Um the New Beverly the Tarantino's theater did a month of Robert Forster movies on 35 millimeter and they pulled out all the stops. I mean, they pulled up shit from like the sixties and like no one's ever <laughs> and, and shit like that. And, uh, they ended the month with Mulholland drive on 35. And I was like, and we've already talked about how I feel about Mulholland drive and, and David Lynch and all that shit. And I'm like, that's cool. 
but I'm not going to drive all the way to LA. I'm, I'm, I'm close enough. I can see these movies in 35, whenever there's like 80 fucking theaters everywhere. And then what happened? The pandemic hit. So that's always going to be a great sadness. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't go see one of my favorite movies uh, in 35 because Tarantino probably had a fucking print of it somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, yeah, at this point, even before I, I, any, opportunity i go for it uh there was a screening yeah. of the the i think they call it the final cut of apocalypse now mm-hmm. in la I yeah. Drove, yeah i drove down for that um yeah. and i was there it was it was really fun there's a lot of just you know the people who came were like film people and francis yeah. was there and so was fishburn and so was uh wow. um what's his name uh the the guy who played the lead he was there too and they, yeah i, I think it was the three of them yeah they, they all them out wow yeah, they all were there talking about it, and they had this guy, I think his name's Scott Mance or something like that. He he's a big he does these interviews and shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um so he was doing the interview and you know, it was just nice to see him like, dude, and like the he got when when Francis came out, he got like a three or four minute standing ovation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And yeah. dude, it, it, it it's just like, look, watching that movie with an audience of people that gets it. Yeah. Where like when Kilgore comes out, people are fucking clapping. And yes. Shit. People are fucking clapping yeah. when he says that line. It's it's like, okay, this and that's that's the thing that's kind of gone away, right? Like we're that's the thing that we're missing about cinema is that yeah. that's to be, you know, like imagine seeing Pulp Fiction with a group of people who love I have movies. Yeah. Yeah. It got put in theaters at some point, like 2014, I think it was. And I, I fucking went, I ran to the theaters and it was yeah. a packed room and everybody was just yeah. living it up in that theater. Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's, you know, um, that's, and that's why he wants to protect the, the, that experience, the experience. The movie yeah. going experience. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's really, it, especially now it's in, grave danger uh grave danger. oh it's yeah it's basically it's on life support it's like it's, you know it's waiting for the shoe to drop at this point yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah but yeah. uh god damn well, all right are you gonna leave us off on cool, pulp fiction cool. huh? yeah we're gonna leave on pulp fiction we're gonna talk about it again i'm sure dude we're gonna uh, get to it in like a week or two yeah and it's gonna take a minute uh some of these some of these movies are get shifted a lot higher for me but um yeah i can't wait yeah um cool so yeah that's it we're we're done uh, we covered everything. Right? We covered everything uh, for this week. Yeah. Cool. All right. And we're so, almost at four hours. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. These 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 conversations are getting longer and better. So. Yeah. Um. I think all so. right. Yeah. So, so yeah, we'll uh we'll we'll be back again uh soon. Um. Possibly uh, got- uh see you next year. You know, I yeah. think I think uh we're again like I said at the top of this thing, uh we're like eight days away from 2021. So, um. At least when we're recording this, so I guess I'll uh, maybe we'll we'll see you guys next year, and hopefully, yeah. hopefully, twenty twenty one. I don't have to keep telling you I could have gone to see Mulholland Drive, but I didn't, and now the world is ending. Hopefully, a year from today, I can say they opened the fucking New Beverly yeah. back. And I got to see some of my favorite movies there. Yeah, I'm 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 seeing I'm seeing everything. Um, I remember there was a a, a while back uh, in San Francisco. I forget what's the. There's one really old theater in San Francisco. That's uh, like one of those like kind of movie palace kind of places. Movie palace kind of places. Isn't yeah. that like, not the Castro, is it? It might be the Castro. Yeah, it's the Castro. Okay, yeah. Yeah, the Castro had like the whatever, the 70 millimeter of Lawrence of Arabia, and I barely missed seeing it. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, hate, you hate to see it. <laughs> that's that's something I'm not missing next Yeah, time. right. Exactly. I'm making like, again, that, that Joker screening. I'm just like, fuck it, dude. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make um, it. Yeah. 
I'm going. Yeah. I'm yeah. whatever it is, you know. Yeah. There was a, there was another one. I mean, this this you know this isn't something everyone would be into, but they did this Zack Snyder thing where they showed like they showed like all the Ultimate Editions, and he was there to talk about them. That was in LA That's last fun. year. That's so fun. Yeah. The last um, time I did something like that was uh, the Edgar Wright like the Cornetto trilogy, and uh, that yeah. was like a nine hour thing in a movie theater. Was yeah. Really- that 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 Zack Snyder thing. I really wish I had gone to that because that was pre Snyder cut stuff. Mm-hmm. But it was bubbling. It was like yeah. coming, and that was like the first time, like this, <laughs> like he really kind of just just was open about his mm-hmm. thoughts on everything. Anyway, so but yeah, so there'll be more cinema hopefully in the yeah. future, and you gotta you gotta hold it close, man, because like when you got those opportunities, and, exactly. And, you know? That's a very nice. There's a very nice sentiment to leave off on. Uh, this has been a very harrowing and very up and down roller coaster of an episode, but I think that's a good. Yeah. That's a good way to send off 2022. I think so. Yeah. Uh, well, cool. Hopefully next year we'll get those experiences back. Yep. So we'll you know talk to you guys again uh, in the future. See you. Yep. Then. See you.